to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. My name is Chris Heine. This week we have an episode all about board games and their relation to the wonderful Valentine's Day that's approaching. But before we do that, I wanted to point out a few things that you should be looking out for from us in the next few weeks. First up is the Robo Show, which opens this Friday, February 12th. The opening reception is from 7 to 10 p.m., It features almost 70 pieces of artwork that are all about mechs, cyborgs, robots, all sorts of futuristic technology. Each artist was tasked with designing their ultimate robot companion, and there's tons of amazing work. So you guys should definitely come to that. We will see you there. There is a game night coming up two weeks from now. It's Thursday, February 18th. So if you're interested in that, you should definitely check it out. We always have some new faces, and we're always pleased to see more. And finally, be sure to watch the blog and Facebook because there are going to be several trips announced very shortly. So if you're interested in some of our travel trips, we have some new ones for the summer coming up soon. So they're not too far away, and you should be sure to be checking the blog and the Facebook, Twitter, all those social media venues to make sure you know about it as soon as it gets announced. Without further ado, here is another intro. Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. My name is Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. And today it's just the two of us because it's time for another board game episode. Yeah, I'm sad no one else wants to talk about board games. They can't keep up, so we got to do it ourselves. Okay. Speaking of that, speaking of no one else, I was thinking given this is going to become a regular segment on the show, right? Yes. So I was thinking we need a special name. And I have a couple names that I thought of, but I have one in particular that I like, okay? Okay. All right. Well, one of them I had was Light Gray Games. Mm-hmm. How do you like that one? It's classic. Classic. Okay. Well, I also had the Light Gray Gaming Podcast. I like that one more. Okay. It's heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I also had, this one I actually kind of like, Cardboard Gallery. I like that one. I kind of like it too. I didn't. I thought I didn't like it. Now I looked at it and I liked it. All right. Isometric perspectives. I like that one, but it, it's funny because it's like, is it a philosophy podcast? I don't know. The other thing about that one is isometric usually refers to like games spe- like Baldur's Gate or right. Diablo. So it's more of a video game term than a right. I was going to say, I also think immediately of video games. So it's philosophical. Right. That That's for our video game. Philosophy podcast. Where we wax philosophical about video, video game. games. Okay. I was just gonna say really quick. I am playing Dragon Age. Oh yeah, that's right. You, so you got a PS4. Is, I have played video games in the past, but when I play a video game, it's a big, big deal. So this is a big, big deal. Wow, that's pretty mm-hmm. intense. But it's kind of close to to D and D, so it's very close. It's very in close to D and D. Dragon Age was a spiritual successor to. Baldur's Gate, which was a D&D game. See? It's all back to board games with me. The only reason it's not is because uh, I don't think they wanted to pay for the license. Or they just wanted to get away from the license and create their own world. Well, I'd be curious to see where it like really starts to deviate. I don't know so much about D&D lore. Yeah, you know? well, it also is the mechanics too. Like the, the mechanics were D&D mechanics in Baldur's Gate. Like straight up, second okay. edition D&D oh, or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For Baldur's Gate, yeah. Um, but anyway, we are veered Can't far you. off topic yeah, because the next name on my list, which I actually really like as well, is Too Many Boxes. I really like that one. That's my favorite <laughs> so far. That is pretty good. 
These are pretty good. I, I wrote these like months and maybe even like a year ago or something. But the choice du jour mm-hmm. shuffle buddies. And I like I like that one. I think that. And I thought fave. about making it formal by calling it light gray shuffle buddies. Yeah, that's good. Put the and logo it's on so there. So delightfully dumb. <laughs> I think it's the I, it's my favorite of the lot. I think that's I do what like it's too many be. boxes. I just think it's, it's funny because it makes me think <laughs> it makes me think of your gaming room. Yeah. And actually. Uh, now our my sister's in my apartment is starting to get that way too. So. Jenny's house is also starting starting to get that way. Really? <laughs> so everyone, it's it's infected us all. So right now, like Ray Shuffle Buddies, or right. just Shuffle Buddies for short. Let's call it Shuffle Buddies. Well, let's talk about some games, Francesca. Do I get to pick first? Uh, no. Well, I'm going to tell you about a game that we played the other week oh. that has a lot to do with uh, the like place Ray. we played it at. Yeah. So uh, we had a friend who wanted to show us this game and he thought it would be pretty funny that we'd be interested because the game is called The Gallerist and it is a game all about running a successful gallery. And he comes to our weekly board game night and he gets a kick out of playing in the gallery. So um, he asked if we wanted to play it. I definitely did. I'd heard of The Gallerist and I knew all about it and it was definitely something I was interested in. I also knew it was... Kind of one of the more complex games released last year. Yeah, could you rank it on a game I know? Um, I would say it's a very heavy Euro. It is, I don't think you know it, but it's it it's at least as heavy as like Terra Mystica. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen that game. But I, I have. It, I've not played it, but I know it. Okay. Well, I've played that one. It gives me a similar-ish feeling. Not really, but it complexity wise it's at least that level you're managing different tracks and all sorts of different things but so we asked Lindsay if he she wanted to play and then she asked jenny if she wanted to play and then we also asked james if he wanted to play so then we all wanted to play and last saturday we all sat down and the four people who currently work at like gray art lab played the gallerist against each other so Mm -hmm. (laughs) the heat was on we were going to find out who was the ultimate gallery manager. Yeah, gallery manager. Jenny, Spoilers. it was basically, it was like Jenny's mid, I don't know, multiple year review, I guess. I don't know. It was time to do that. And it was James's like, I don't know, how long has he been working here? A month now? So it was his one month review. Yeah. Um, so it's a game all about running a gallery. Everyone has a different gallery. Um, and I'm not going to explain the entire thing because it is really complex. But basically, you are discovering artists promoting their work um, also buying their work and then promoting their work to make sure you buy it cheap and then um, get the prices high and then sell it you're also um, going for special awards there's all sorts of different tracks you can get points along and like I said I'm not going to break down the entire thing I just thought it would be interesting to mention because we do run a gallery midway through the game everyone thought that Jenny should be fired because she had zero money and zero reputation really and everyone else was Jenny. doing okay yeah <laughs> and we were like uh and then Gallery we were all like glance supreme. glance and then um james was doing well and james got really into it as james does he ends up liking a lot of these games and he gets pretty into it and he was like just talking up his strategy and he was like rubbing his hands together and he's like oh yeah <laughs> don't I got tell this. your tell him not <laughs> to tell a strategy you don't want to tell your strategy you don't want to give away yeah, all your well, fame artists 
That's true. But the the funny thing is James and I were working together because we were investing in the same artists and then kind of working together to oh. increase their popularity, which we didn't like plan, but it just continually happened that way. Yeah. So that's cool that that could happen. I like that. Yeah. It, it, and, it, and it eventually has to happen because there's only so many artists to discover. And once they're all discovered, uh, everyone's kind of got their fingers in multiple pots as it, I guess, is yeah. as it kind of goes. So um, you kind of have to continue buying works from artists. Eventually, you can get them up to uh, a celebrity status. And it's funny because once they hit celebrity status, they are bored with making artwork and they quit forever. So if you get somebody's celebrity <laughs> status, their artwork is worth a lot because no one else can ever buy their artwork. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I like um, this game's theme. Most of the game is managing kind of the visitors to your gallery. There's there's collectors, there's investors, and then there's, um, I can't remember what they're called, but they're kind of the um, scenesters, I guess. They're kind of like VIPs, I think is what they're called. Yeah. So they're people who just like, Show in, up. one increases their reputation, one increases, you know, the scenesters or the VIP increase your reputation. So it's like Scott Seekins goes to your gallery. Yeah, it's kind of like he's, yeah, he's the VIP. And that is a very inside Minneapolis joke. <laughs> if you get but it, Google Scott Seekins and you'll find out. Uh, I don't even think you have to put Minneapolis because it'll probably just come up. Yeah. And then the um, investors increase your money and the collectors basically increase your ability to do more things. So they're all a resource. And it's a very interesting game because you're getting these people into your gallery. But every time you do things, you also kind of have to kick them out. Like when you sell a work, whoever bought the work leaves. So you you're making a trade-off of getting the money for selling the work, but also losing some of your um, resources. So each artist only makes one piece of art? No, they make mul- they, they make two pieces at a time, and then people are buying and selling things. Mm-hmm. And then if you ever get them to celebrity, they just stop making artwork. Yeah. So that's how it goes. Okay. Um, it was actually really fun. It, it was a very heavy game. I was a little bit worried because Lindsay and Jenny are not as into the super complex heavy games. And Lindsay in particular has a very short enthusiasm for learning a game. Her patience runs out quickly. Mm-hmm. So I knew we were in for the long haul and I warned them. Um, but we all stuck it out to the end and everyone had viable strategies. And, and I think Jenny and Lindsay totally got into it. At the end, Jenny won. She I want to hear a about massive how. comeback. I want to hear and, how because I'm surprised that she didn't have anything going on well, to begin with. Well, here's how. James and myself were really focused on buying artwork and then selling it. And we were just like buy and sell, buy and sell. We were treating it like a stock game. So big money. Um, yeah, Lindsay was doing similar things, but she um kind of had a little bit of different strategy, but she was also kind of doing the same thing. But what we all kind of neglected is there was rewards for what your gallery looked like at the end of the game. You also, whatever artwork you had hanging on your walls, you still got paid for at the end of the game. So you didn't really need to sell it because you just got paid whatever the artwork was worth at the end of the game. So mm-hmm. James and I were just like, you know, it, of course, if you don't sell it, you don't have the money to do other things. But we, I was just sitting on a pile of cash. Mm-hmm. And... And then, of course, we did our end game scoring and Jenny had not much, but she got a lot of bonuses and things like that. And then we got to her gallery, which was pretty much perfect. She had like set combos and um, there's kind of like secret reward cards like a ticket to ride and she completed some of those. So she made it up by having artwork hanging on the walls, which we thought was... (laughs) 
appropriate. Was kind of appropriate, yeah. So that that makes sense with Jenny's strategy. She wants to keep a good gallery. Yeah, so she was in she was interested in making her gallery beautiful where I would like put up a painting and then just sell it and then I'd put up two <laughs> paintings and then sell them and then so half the time I never even filled my gallery all the way up. Yeah. So it's by Eagle Griffin Games. It is a giant box and it is a incredible production. Like the components are pretty much insane. They have these tiny little wooden easels. And at the beginning of the game, you put kind of like the three masterpieces, which are just randomly chosen on these easels. There's big, thick tiles. There's custom meeples for all the different types of um, people. Uh, there's like a velvet bag with a logo on it for drawing yeah, the, the things out of. Everybody so, should go to Board Game Geek and look at these pictures. They're nuts. Yeah, so it's just and it's just a big game. It's a table hog. It's massive. So it really was an experience. I don't know how often we'll probably. I'm sure that everyone will never go back and play it again. But really, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I it was long. Play it. Well, I know you. I'm talking about the the four of us. Uh huh. I think James might play it again. I think Jenny and Lindsay found it very interesting. But then at the end of it, they're like, "I got it. That was good." Maybe they would. I don't know. I could ask them. But, Maybe in um, time. The thing about a game like that, it seems like, I, how many hours was it? Uh, a long time. It, it was, including learning, it was probably at four hours at least. Okay. Yeah, I mean. It was it, probably three hours of playing and one hour of learning or something like that. It's not a thing where you're going to sit down and be like, let's pop that open. Yeah, it's not an everyday game, but it is a beautiful game. It is a very fun game. I, I thought it was very fun. And it's thematic. However, the way that this gallery works is like the antithesis of how our gallery works. Yeah, Our is. gallery probably doesn't work like any other people's gallery works. Yeah. But we're not like we're not trying to make money off artists' fame or anything like that. So it was just Nursey's like, you'll love this. And I was like, yeah, this is definitely not how we do anything at all. Well, but. it's interesting, too, because I was thinking about Jenny has the most experience with the traditional galleries traditional gal like fine art gallery mm -hmm. uh, she gets a little more exposure to that stuff so she probably has a, a good all not to say that a board game is going to exactly replicate the experience of running a <laughs> gallery just like phoenix Wright, apparently is not how law goes so anyway the gallerist was really fun i want to play um, it i think it, i might pick it up just because it is such a beautiful production i know it's one of those games like studying emerald or eclipse or something like that that's going to hit the table very seldomly but i'm okay with that i think yeah. it's really cool i think it would be worth showing you i think it's something that i might like to pull out every once in a while um so that was the gallerist cool i wish you were there maybe someday. i wish i was there well yeah someday and it's i'm not going to carry it to seattle though it's it's pretty big. that's okay <laughs> i'm i swear it's we'll see if it's at mox although i don't i don't think it's a good game to play at mox yeah it's an investment but it's it's a good game so I think you have played a couple games. You were mm -hmm. visited by a friend who lives yeah. here. Yep. Not me, though. And he taught you some of the games that I've been teaching him lately. Yes. Our friend Ian came and visited Seattle, and I was really excited to show him Mox because I've been telling you guys about it. It's not the same as showing it and showing how cool it is. You had told me about Motanai, so we found that. Ian was like, oh, Patchwork, this game is really, really good. And I remember you had talked about that, too. So he was like, I'm going to get you these games. We're going to play them. Um, he bought you both those games? He did for at, as a present for letting him stay, I guess. Which Oh, wow. That's know, amazing. You know, it was very nice of him. I thought you were using the Cafe Mox uh, no, copy. No. We and originally, actually, we were going to play Key Largo because I was like, 
uh, Ian was pretty sure that they didn't have Key Largo, and I was like, I'm going to see if they have Key Largo, because they have a really extensive library. So they did not have Key Largo, and then Ian told me why, which made me sad. <laughs> he was like, I don't think anybody cares about this game except for, like, us. Um, it's true. So then uh, he got he got us Patchwork and Motanai. It's, it's for me and my sister. And so he taught us how to play those games. He taught you how to play Motanai? Oh, not Motanai, sorry. He also taught us how to play Warhammer Quest, which we just checked out from the library. Yeah. Um, we played Patchwork first, though. You kind of told me about it. and Yeah, and actually we mentioned it on... A podcast one of the colorado uh yeah one of the colorado yeah podcasts actually yeah that. i remember you guys talking about it you... because i picked it up i actually gave it to Lindsay for christmas and i gave it to her because Lindsay and i kind of have a ritual we developed where before we start working for the day we go to dogwood coffee the best coffee is it i don't know i don't like coffee so i don't care it's my well <laughs> it's okay I love Spy House, but Dogwood probably has my favorite coffee in Minneapolis. So well, we go to this wonderful coffee place, which I can hardly appreciate because I don't like coffee. Mm-hmm. And then we play a game and we play, you know, fairly short little games, um, games that work well with two players. And we just crack it open, play through a game. We drink our coffee or tea or whatever we're drinking. And then we get up, go to work. I was thinking that Lindsay might like Patchwork because it is exclusively two players it has a puzzle element to it, and Lindsay loves puzzles, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got a quilting theme that's pretty cute. It is um, really cute. Yeah, and actually, I was interested in it because uh, I've heard it's amazing. It's designed by Uwe Rosenberg, who's the designer of Agricola, Caverna. He's designed a heavy Euro games, actually, and this game is not heavy, and it's, I mean, it kind of is a Euro game, but it's it's not very heavy. So I was pretty excited and I got it for Lindsay thinking she might like it. And we played it once and she really liked it. Since then, I've showed it to James and a lot of other people. I won't name everyone I've showed like it board to. Games, but I've sh- or at the uh, Light Gray uh, Game Night? Yeah, I think somebody played it at Light Gray Game Night. It's only two players, so it's not a great game night game. It is a great, it's a great coffee house game. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was great to play at Mox. It's the right length. It was also really nice because Ian taught... Felicia and I, and I played against Ian first, but it's not so long that we couldn't just have another, turn around and have another game. So we all got to play. Um, Here, I'll explain it really quick before we go any further. So each player has a board and the player boards are just kind of an empty um, grid. I think they're like a nine by nine or a 10 by 10 grid. It's nine by nine. Uh, Okay. Uh, And then you arrange all of these kind of like Tetris looking puzzle pieces around the central player board, which is just a score track. You arrange all these Tetris pieces, and then you basically, on your turn, you get to kind of choose one of the pieces, and there's an order to which way you choose it. You move this little pawn around the track, and you have the next three pieces in front of the pawn, so you can kind of control how fast he moves around by which pieces you're taking. But you have a limited option of a few pieces. You choose the one you want. You pay the money, which in this case is buttons, and it also costs time, which is kind of kept track along this center board that's pretty much just used to keep track of time and scoring. And then you fill in your quilt. So every time you buy a piece, you get to put the quilt piece on your empty board. Uh, So when you're building it, you're thinking about it in multiple ways. You're thinking about how good is the piece for you at that moment? How well will it fit on your board? Will it even fit on your board at the end of the game? Because eventually your board gets fairly full and you kind of squeeze out some space and it, and it gets pretty tight. Um, 
And that and that's just kind of how it goes. One of the interesting things about it is the way you take your turns. You don't go back and forth. You move your piece forward the amount of time it took to build the piece. So if a piece took seven to build, you would move your piece seven squares forward on the time track. And then the other player gets to take turns until they spent more time than you. So if I took a giant piece that took me 10 time units to build, you could maybe build one that cost two and then three and then five. And then maybe by that point, you would be ahead of me again. Right. And then, it, it, and then it would, and then it would be my turn. So if you are last in the time track, you get to go. So you could take multiple turns in a row or you could hopscotch each other depending on how you're building. Yeah. If people have played Takedo, like that's yes. extremely similar to Takedo. It's very similar to how Takedo works. Uh, some of the pieces have buttons and there's also buttons on the central score track. Um, so if I built a quilt and it had a piece that had two buttons on it, and then I have another piece that has three buttons on it, every time I pass a button on the time track, I collect that many buttons, which is, of course, money and also points at the end of the game. So the pieces that you're building cost money, so you kind of have to continue. You'll kind of generate income, um, I think, like six or seven times throughout the game. And every time you build more pieces, you're going to get more money the next time you pass a button. So the balance of the game is figuring out how much income do you really require and how much space do you want to fill up because a lot of times the big empty pieces aren't worth many buttons or any buttons at all but at the end of the game you count up how many spaces you didn't fill in from your quilt and you get negative two points for each of those which bites people in the butt the first time mm-hmm. i have yep. seen multiple games and francesca has had multiple games where people have scored negative points because so you're it's not saying a high you never score scored game. negative? It's, no, I have. Yeah, I have. Okay. I don't anymore. <laughs> I okay. Figured, <laughs> I figured out how to stay in the positive. Um, but it's oh, not a very high scoring game. People usually score like 18 or 20 points, but it's totally possible to score three that points. That would be on the high end, I think. I feel, yeah. Now that I... Our games ranged in like the 12... Like high was 12. You'll get better though. You'll get better. Low was like negative 20. <laughs> It, it happens and it's, you know, you feel like you're doing really well because I, and when I first started playing the game, I was like all about that buttons. I was like, give me them buttons. I need money. Money is the best. Money's the points, right? I got to get all the points. I got to get all the money. All the money is going to let me build mm. more buttons. So I was doing, I was just collecting money. And then I got to the end of the game. I had like 18 empty spaces on Ooh. my board, which was what? Negative 36 points. Yeah, but you you would subtract that from your... So you subtract that from your total. And so by that point, I had like 18 buttons, but then I had negative 36 points. So then I ended with like negative 18 and it was just a total bust. See, I my strategy that I did both times and I shouldn't have was I was obsessed with making it like a perfect Tetris fit. And so I would choose pieces based on that rather than how many spaces I'm filling, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So at the end, I had... what I had was beautiful. I didn't. I didn't need to use any of those weird little brown things. But I, I there's there's like these brown patches that basically are just filler. Yeah. There's five areas on the board, and the first person to pass them gets a the only one by one piece in the game. Well, there's five of yeah. them, but you get one by there's one piece. They're not worth any buttons or anything like that. They don't cost you anything. But if you're the first one to pass over them on the time track, you get them. So it's kind of a reward for um, rushing ahead a little Getting bit. Getting there first. Yeah. And you can fill it. You just put it on your board anywhere you want. So you you don't have to build perfectly because there's some opportunities to just plop in these little one by one pieces and and seal up some of the gaps. Right. And there aren't many. But at the same time, I realize now like having a perfect quilt is pretty unattainable. 
like you want a fuller quilt. Yes, that's true. Then, Although, then just like a one that's crammed into a corner, but it's perfect. So patchwork is interesting because it gives you multiple skill sets kind of to achieve. You can you can balance out how much time you're taking and how big of the pieces you're getting and how much money you're getting, um, which is really good. But you could end up just building yourself into a corner. And I've seen people who have had to just basically skip turns oh, because yeah. they just couldn't build anything. Yep. And you can always just I, generate money instead of building things, but just caught you, you basically move your You catch up. You, yeah, you catch up and you get a dollar for every or a button for every spot it took you to catch up. But, you know, if you're not filling in spaces in your board, that's not great. It's kind of a it's kind of like the move you a do. Turn. It's the move you do if you can't do anything else. So Ian is a Tetris master. And when I played with him, he had the most perfect board and he did not start like how I think you started, where you started in a corner and you just tried to build it perfectly. Uh-huh. He, started he started like in the, in the center and then uh-huh. he just, he like, I don't even know how he did it. He must have some major spatial awareness because he had his built board filled up perfectly. There was three units at the end of the game that were in a perfect row right at the edge that he couldn't fill just because we ran out of time. Mm-hmm. But there was actually a piece that could have filled it on the on the thing, so I think he was going for it. So okay. yeah, so that makes sense. He really, he I mean, he really got a good us, game. So. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's pretty good at the Tetris aspect of it. Anyway, it's a very simple game to learn, like incredibly simple. You learn it on the fly, basically. You play it, and you can learn it, it in like time. two rounds, and then you've got it down. Um, you might end up mm-hmm. with a negative thirty score, but it's not that big of a yeah, deal. Yeah, whatever. The act of the game is really fun. I also kind of like the Tetris aspect because it's soothing. No. These games are very soothing to me. It is a great package. It plays, it's only two player, but it is a one of the greatest two player games. I've probably played it like um, 10 times now, maybe more. I could check Board Game Geek, I suppose. But anyway, I played it a number of times. It's still really fun. I still am like, I want to play it more. Once you know what you're doing, you can play a game of this in 15 minutes easy. Oh, for sure. It's really quick. Your first game is probably going to take you a half hour, but after that, you're going to just like fly through it. I totally recommend this game. I am totally happy I bought it. Some people look at the theme and they kind of think it's silly. I like it. I think it's cute. I liked it. That's kind of what drew me in too is because it's a little different. It's cute, but it also is like cute in kind of like a frumpy way. way. Yeah, (laughs) like a granny way kind of. It's not like you could have made this game with really like really cute patterns like modern cute patterns and things they picked like 70s patterns. yeah the color is a little bit grungy but i don't know it gives it a certain charm yeah i don't know it it fits it in with sense. uve rosenberg's other games like agricola it's not as ugly as agricola but it is kind of a little bit <laughs> poor agricola. A little bit dope. agricola it so reminds ugly. me of a holly hobby and i don't know <laughs> if you know what that is that might just be a thing that only no i know like i, I know okay what it is. You do. yeah yeah Okay, it looks like that. It's like the same colors and aesthetic. All right, yeah, but it's it's really good. I think we both totally recommend this game, and I'm glad you got yeah, it too. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, thank you, Ian, for being amazing and doing the that. The first time I played it, I think I texted you, and I said, you should go out and buy this game. You did, you did. And it was in the back of my mind. Actually, we were at, when we were at um, Card Kingdom, there is a whole giant display that is just two-player games. Oh, really? Ian was like, this game. So the funny thing, before we leave Patchwork behind. Okay. Before we put the last stitch in our quilt, as it were, I wanted to talk about the theme a little bit more, only in that it's it's very funny to me that they have this theme on this game because 
it doesn't make sense thematically for what you're doing. Yeah. And it would actually well, this about would, money being buttons. And yeah, stuff? this game would make perfect sense if you were building a kingdom and the buttons oh, were right. mines that got you like diamonds or you know gold or something. And yes. you were trying to like build the best kingdom or something like that. Thematically, it would make a lot more sense because over time, there like maybe every year you collect taxes, and based on how yeah. many mines you have, you would get more money. So thematically, I know fantasy is like played out in board games because every game is fantasy or zombies or space. But or medieval. Yeah. But this is one example where I like that they went with this theme, even though. But it would make more sense as as you know some other games are like. This is a fantasy theme, but why? Who knows? But this one, it's like, this would make perfect sense. Or if you were colonizing space and each button was a planet that generated, it's just really... uh... Yeah. Okay. I I have a counter to it though, because I I agree with you. And I remember you had told me about that a while ago, but I was just thinking like a good reason to go for the theme that they did is because it is so unique. Yeah. But then I was also thinking like the circumstances that you would play this game, it's kind of, it is kind of cozy. It's short. It like it is. I would definitely bring this game to a cafe. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of got the the type of game that it is. It's not that intense. It's a small footprint know? too. It's like a um, yeah, like an eight by it's eight little... box that's two inches deep or something. Right, maybe even less. So it doesn't it doesn't have the the epic. Like it's not gonna. It's you're not gonna sit down and spend a half hour setting it up. You know what I mean? It's it's got it's like quaint. And it is quaint. I think the theme fits the style of game that it is, even though I agree completely that thematically it would make more sense with the money and the claiming area and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to suggest. Okay. So, Uwe Rosenberg, uh, Lookout Games, if you're listening, you can have this as a free tip. I say <laughs> release patchwork in the quilting theme, in the space okay. theme, and it could even be a farming theme, fantasy theme. Medieval, yeah. Medieval theme. I would, I probably wouldn't buy every version, but I think done right. But you'd pick another one. But I might pick up another one just for, I don't know, for variety's sake. I I think it would be really cool just to see. I think it, you know how sometimes I talk about doing an art project where I remake my favorite game, Skull? Yes. Patchwork would be a really fun remake project as well. I agree. So call me up, Uwe. I'll talk to you. (laughs) You'll tell him. You can hook him up with some artists. Yeah, I think he's German. I'll say, Guten Tag. I know German. I took four years of German. <laughs> I sure don't. And I don't remember any of it except for Guten Tag and Ausgezeichnet. I'll say, Patchwork ist Ausgezeichnet. Does that mean Silent Night? I don't no, Ausgezeichnet. It means excellent. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, Patchwork is awesome. I would like to, I, I mean, I, I think the theme is great and I'm sure it's doing well for them. But I also do think as sad as it is, it alienates some people who might otherwise really like it. I suppose. I, I still, I had to think about why I thought it was a good idea, but I, I still kind of like that it's it's what it is. Yeah, I like I like you know? it for what it is. I just think, I, I would like, I, I it's a really good game and I'd like to see, you know, you know multiple versions. It could, we could, you could do a really cute version of a medieval kind yeah, of Yeah, no, I was thinking cute. I was thinking if you've seen Imperial Settlers, kind of like yep. that. Yeah, Which kind of, it looks almost like it has... I'm going to say app-esque art. It reminds yes. me of the Apple app, Clash of Clans, cutesy, yeah. kind of exaggerated things. It's better than that, yeah. but Imperial Settlers is better than that art-wise. But it definitely feels like it could be taken from some app. So anyway, what'd you play next? 
after patchwork after you were blown away by patchwork and you're like whoa (laughs) nothing could be better than this after that we we actually went with the more epic theme and we played warhammer quest which is another game that you've told me about well i'm gonna stop you right there okay because it's not warhammer quest it's not warhammer Quest. it is warhammer quest but is warhammer quest the adventure card game oh okay well that that's basically i know it's not the same i know there's a warhammer quest right because it's the card game implementation of the classic i want to say 80s version i think warhammer quest was 80s or 90s i could i could check but this explains why i saw 1995 when i typed in warhammer quest and board game geek 1995 okay yep 1995 mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with that then the original warhammer quest was a 1995 according to francesca um according to board game geek well, assuming you were looking at the right entry, yeah. I think it was. Okay, but it, it, it is based on a 1995 fantasy miniatures uh, dungeon crawl game. This is the card game version. It is cooperative, plays one to four players, um, mm-hmm. and it it's very similar only in that it uses the same characters and it uses the Warhammer universe, which is um, skavens and orcs and, um, I don't know, just a very, I don't know, some people love it. It's kind of standard. It's got rat people. <laughs> That's like the difference. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, it's 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 uh one of the of the fantasy worlds. It's the Warhammer world. Yep. So So um well I'll explain it really quick so then we can talk about how you like it. But um in Warhammer Quest, you first set up the game. Like I said, it's cooperative. There's multiple quests that are like pre-made scenarios that come with the game. They're also a com- a campaign. So you do them in order, and as you do them, you level up, get new items, do all sorts of things, and you you kind of save that progression. So when you do the first one, you'll level up, and then during the second one, you'll have better stuff, and all the way up to the fifth one, which is kind of the the you know climactic finale of the little story. Um, then there's uh, one other just dungeon delve mission that's kind of like the other ones, but it's longer and more intense. Um, and you don't play it in campaign or you actually level up during the mission. So that's kind of like you can do the story. And then once you're done with the story, you can just continue doing the dungeon delve quests, And it's kind of different every time. But in order to play, you um, build a locations deck. Each uh, scenario has instructions on how to build each deck. So it says for this one, do this to build this deck, do this to build this deck. So you build a location deck, an enemy deck, kind of a item deck and a kind of dungeon encounter deck. Um, mm-hmm. And then everyone takes a character, and each character has uh, a card that kind of says what their hit points are, and that's all it says actually. Uh, it just has their mm-hmm. hit points, and then each character has four cards that are four different actions. There's let's see if I can remember. There's rest, there's attack, there is explore, and there is aid. Mm-hmm. And on your turn, you basically get to choose one of those actions tap it although they don't call it tapping because that's magic the gathering but you turn it sideways you do all of the things listed on that card which could be rolling dice to attack drawing cards out of a certain deck um giving tokens to other players which i'll explain in a moment um and you do everything on it and then once it's tapped or once it's turned sideways you can't do that action again one of the cards has a kind of recycling symbol on it when you do that action, when you tap that action, it you untap everything, including that card. So there's basically one card that resets all the other cards as well as having its own action. 
Um, during the game, you can use these actions to fight these creatures, to explore the locations, and, and the point of the game is usually just to kind of get through all the locations alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also... Um, you can rest, which just lets you heal and do every character does a little bit difference. They kind of do variations on a theme and they're better at some things over other things. And the final thing is aid. And when you aid people, you usually allow them maybe to refresh a card, which means untap it before they do their you know action that lets them untap all of them. And you can also roll and attempt to give them tokens. And these tokens can just be used as straight up successes without rolling. So during the game, you're revealing cards you're using your actions to fight the monsters. You're rolling dice to find out if you're killing them, if they're killing you, all those kind of things. But that's pretty much how it works. Yep. I, I really loved it. Loved um, it. Okay. I mean, right off the bat, it made me think of Pathfinder. It is uh, very similar. Obviously. Pathfinder, the adventure card game, which is the card game implementation of Pathfinder. See, all these games with their properties makes it so complicated. Yeah. But Pathfinder, the, the adventure card game. And I do love Pathfinder the Adventure Card Game. The thing that I think is great about this game is that it is, it's a much more truncated, like Pathfinder, I feel like I'd have to work my way up to feel like, okay, we should play this. Whereas this is a game that was very easy. I mean, Ian was just like, yeah, just I'll teach you right now. Just sit down. We learned it as we played it. Yeah, you can learn it as you um, play it. You can play as many, I don't know, like Pathfinder is very much a continuing story. And this is just like, we can do this quest. And then you do this quest and then you're done. You can keep playing it as much as you want to. It isn't super long, you know. Um, it has all of the, I don't know, I don't know another way to put it other than it feels like a, like a, like they took the essence of that game and made it into like this one succinct game. The essence of Pathfinder or the adventure of the Warhammer Quest? Of Pathfinder. Quest? Okay. I don't know much about Warhammer Quest. Okay. So. I've played but Warhammer Quest. Is it similar to Pathfinder adventure card game? No, I played the original Warhammer Quest, which is nothing oh. like it it's oh, a oh, miniatures oh. game so it's 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 oh. just a dungeon crawl oh. game. oh like okay like warhammer warhammer quest warhammer not quest the, not the adventure card game are you talking about miniature like i know warhammer miniatures it is not warhammer miniatures it is a tabletop okay. board game kind of okay um it was a board game spinoff of the warhammer universe okay all right i like this game because it takes that that world and it brings it into something that is much more like I said, succinct, and I would be comfortable bringing that out and teaching most people, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas I feel like Pathfinder is like, oh, this is for somebody that is very, very has to be very serious about this. If that makes sense, yeah. You know, what well, I, mean? I think it is funny that you went straight to Pathfinder, the adventure card game, and I know why you well, did. It is to me, it's very similar. It is similar in that they're both adventure card games, but they they do not feel similar in how you the resolve things. Gameplay wise, they're not very similar. Besides the well, fact you're, you have a deck of things that you're doing, but that's a lot of games. Well, you have a deck of things you're doing. You also have a character that has, you know, like there's preset stats and abilities. In Pathfinder, you control more of that. It's much more customizable, and you're you're choosing which items, and you know, you're building your deck. This is a, you get four cards, but you essentially have this pre-made deck that's like, here's what your character does. Here's what your strengths are it feels like it's been condensed into something where you don't have to spend a long time building up this deck or, or setting up. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I think they are similar. I just think they, like if you played Pathfinder the adventure card game and like it, I don't think that means you would love Warhammer quest and vice versa. In fact, 
And here... Do you hate one and love the other? I really like Warhammer Quest. I... You really liked Pathfinder, I did really like Pathfinder. And maybe I'll feel the same way about Warhammer Quest eventually. But Pathfinder eventually just became tedious to me. Um, Setting up Pathfinder is a humongous... Setting up Pathfinder, the adventure card game, is a humongous chore. You had to build so many decks out of so many cards. And... Yep. There were certain um, kind of abilities on the cards, but they didn't feel wildly different to me. Um, I think that Warhammer Quest is just Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, is just a cleaner, more interesting game overall. Um, and I yeah. and I mean, I I really need to play more to to cement that in the ages or whatever. But I'm actually I, I've got Pathfinder adventure card game sitting on my table right in front of me right now. I am mm-hmm. waiting for a trade on Board Game Beak because as soon as it happens, I am getting rid of it. Well, the thing about Pathfinder too, I know we're not talking about Pathfinder, but... <laughs> it's like the Pathfinder review. Okay. I know it's going to that direction. Well, now that you're getting rid of it, we're probably never going to talk about it. Playing it the first time was like D&D Lite, mm-hmm. or pa- I guess it's Pathfinder Lite, where it's playing a role-playing game requires a lot, more, I would say more energy and a different mindset than playing a tabletop board game. Right. And Pathfinder's like in the middle where it requires, you're building a character, like you're thinking long term and you're trying to build up this thing. But at the same time, it doesn't have the like character building stuff that D&D does. So it's like all the stats of D&D minus the like make a character part. Or minus the role playing part. Minus the role playing part. But it still has a lot of the, the building up this character right and warhammer quest card game am i saying it right yet warhammer quest adventure card game it it feels much more like a board game it's like a board game it has you know it's it's a fantasy board game that has like its flavor in i mean questing type games but it's much more a tabletop board game i yeah yeah I mean, I, 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 what I really like about Warhammer Quest is even though you only have these four actions, you know, you don't even have four available to, all you, to you all time because if you tap one, now you have three actions. And if you tap another one, now you have two actions. And when are you going to untap them and things like that? Right. It's, it's actually also, may I add, we, I think we lost. We were one point away from losing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's a pretty it's tough hard. game. It's not. Yeah, it is tough. Um, I mean, it's not, it's probably not, it's not the hardest game in the world, but it's, it's a cooperative game. So it's, I mean, it's a cooperative game. Right. So it is all or nothing bent on just trying to destroy you. Yeah. And actually I want to come back to that for a second. I want to come back to that in a second, but, um, I also want to say there, there's four cards. You tap them. That doesn't seem like very many options, right? And it mm-hmm. should be obvious. You're fighting monsters. Maybe you want to attack. Um, but it's not. And even though there's only four options, they are like really good options. And I always yeah. felt like I was like, I want to do this, but I want to do this, but there's not enough time. And I want to do this too. Oh, you know what? Doing this would be really good. We should be exploring the dungeon. If we're not exploring the dungeon, we're not making progress. But Adam's over right. here dying. I should heal him with my warrior knight. But this guy is right in my face. I should be attacking him. But I'm also low, running low. I should heal myself. It's a, the sign of a really good co-op or any game really, is when you have a lot of things you want to do and there's just not enough time to do them all. Because that means yeah. the it's not obvious what you're supposed to be doing. 
Because if it's obvious, you'd just be like, well, I want to do this. But if, if yep. you're like, this is a good idea, this is a good idea. I think in some cases, there's going to be a clear-cut thing of what you should be doing. Um, but I think in the beginning especially. Yeah, but as you go on, I think it with only these four cards, it's just a really economical game. The way that the monsters work and the locations work um, kind of come together to just make these kind of interesting things. All the monsters have um, basically keywords that affect how they how and when they attack and what they do and they all some of them like come up in your face and don't attack until you attack and then they they kind of just trip you up when you're trying to do actions some of them come up and attack and then run back into the shadows so you you can't really attack them you have to you have to engage them so they kind of keep running away into the shadows and you're in they're hard to hold on to the locations do really cool things sometimes you're in like poisonous rooms that constantly are chipping away at your health or sometimes you can draw more enemies in order to collect a big treasure because you're in a treasure room and you're like oh man i want that treasure because it's not you don't come by items like a lot in this game so like an item is a big deal. So you're like, I want that item, but I, uh, the whole team is going to suffer because I'm going to draw another enemy, but I really want it. So I think they do a, a really good job just like keeping it really interesting for how many, how few cards are actually in the game. Because when you play it, I think the location decks is usually only six cards. There's a bunch of locations to shuffle into the deck, but ultimately you only resolve mm-hmm. six of them or something. Mm-hmm. The enemy... D- six or four or something. It was really Yeah, it small. depends on the quest, but um, yeah, they're pretty small. The enemy pile that you're kind of working through isn't that big. It's like maybe 20, 15 or 20 enemies or something. I don't know, but it all adds up to to something I played once and I was just like, this is awesome. I really like it. I played it by myself because it's a co-op game. You can easily play it solo. It's advertised as being one to four players. And I thought I was great playing it solo. Then I played it with Adam and Ian and I was like, this is even better with three people. Yeah, I was cooperating with myself before. But because there is no clear-cut thing to do, it kind of just makes that... It's like a little bit of randomness. Well, yeah, and it's just like, what is Adam going to do? Because Adam plays it very differently than I do because I knew what I was going to do and I'm not going to tell him what to do, but I was just like, he'd say something. He's like, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, huh, okay. Uh, We did lose, but I'm not blaming Adam. (laughs) No, we lost two. I think we lost. No. You lost. I think you told me you lost. Okay, I, if we if we did win, it was like we were having a hard time deciding if the one one extra health point. So Ian and Felicia both were dead, and I was still alive, and I had one extra health point, and I cannot remember. I think I lost it before we could get there. So there's a peril like, track that the quest tracks this like little peril track, and the peril track is only um, somewhere between like six and ten spaces. So you basically get six to 10 turns before you're in at the final space on the peril track. The game doesn't end when you get there, but there's different results that resolve at different stages along the peril track. And the last right, so one is really bad always. So right. if you get to the end of the peril track and you haven't beat the game, you can continue playing, but you're about to get whooped on because that last yeah. one is always really mean. And, and once you're on the final one, it just resolves every turn instead of advancing any further. Um, which I think is really cool because it gives you the chance you could still pull it off, but man, it gets hard. They just yeah. destroy you if you can't get the mission done before the peril track advances all the way. Um, I feel like if you get to that and you can't, if you can't beat it in two turns, you're probably never going to beat it because they're right. just going to d- decimate you. And it was like that. Um, we like I had gone from perfect health, like I, I spent most of the game doing pretty well, to just like nothing left I, I got bloodied so fast um 
And I, you know what else I really like, and I, I didn't think of this earlier, but I don't know when I was playing the game, I kept thinking it is the only the the way that you win is you just survive. Like one person needs to survive. That's all you need to do to win, and it's a lot harder than it seems. But it's just nice because it's not like adding another piece to it. You're not. You're questing, but you're not trying to collect stuff. At least the quests we played. Some of them you're you just, are. There's different quests. The, to, the quests do a really yeah. good job feeling different. Um, I haven't played all of them yet, but I've played a few of I've played half of them at least. Um, and um, yeah, they do a good job feeling different. They definitely have a different pace. There's one that's set in like this. Um, the entire quest is set in like this noxious sewer. And um, oh, you're getting poisoned. You're just, yeah, is that the one you played? No, but I think I, I might have read the card. Yeah, you're just getting poisoned the entire time. So it's just, you just feel like you're getting poisoned the entire time. You're like, this is so unfair. I can never do anything. I just want to do anything. But I keep getting, you know, I keep, my health is just ticking away. Um, yeah. Also, it is a, it, for a cooperative game, it is very cooperative because mm-hmm. there's always the aid action. And it's one of the most important actions. And on the aid action, all you do is help other people. And at first, I think when you start playing the game, you're like, why would I take a turn you waste to give you to successes later? But yeah. it makes a lot of sense when you're fighting a monster who has a lot of hit points. If you help somebody out, then they can like kill them in one hit or something. Um, it's also- so when we first started playing, Adam especially was just like, he never did the eight action. And you get so few actions too. Like I said, you always want to do other things. But the eight action right. is always a good action. I... I'm always like, you should aid like every third time at least or something. I think it's strategic too because you have to survive. So every, all the characters take a turn and then the monsters take a turn. And if you are not, at least with this particular quest, if we weren't alive at the end of the turn to cash in the quest that we did or cash in the location, right. then we don't win. Right. So you want to make sure that you're thinking in advance, okay, well, if I give those aid points to this person because they need to be able to defeat that, or if they can defeat the quest on their, the person who goes last gets to defeat the quest on their next turn, then you know that it's going to happen in the right order. Because truly we would have won if we had thought like, like we were so close to winning that I think we got a little bit cocky and forgot that, oh wait, we have to survive till the next round. And all, we had like a billion monsters out and they were beating the crap out of us. So like it would have helped to kind of, you know, maybe beef somebody's help up, health up or helped with, out with like a monster or something. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like the fact that um, you, you could, because you're rolling dice and the Warhammer dice system has a very specific thing called, I believe it's called the burst or the explosion, exploding dice yep. or something. Yep. Um, and there's one face on each die that is kind of like this little ex- sun burst or something. Uh, when yeah. you roll that, you get to re-roll. It counts as a success and you get to re-roll that dice. Yeah, that's so amazing. So technically, <laughs> it you makes can you feel do really good. anything because if you continue to roll the burst or the uh, exploding dice, you can get infinite successes. So even mm-hmm. if the odds are totally against you, which they could be often, there's always yeah. the chance. Oh, man. No I, matter how slim I it is so because good. it's only one side on a six-sided dice that you could roll it. And I have. I've rolled it. And I got a exploding dice and I rolled it again. I got an exploding dice and I rolled it again. Yep. I got exploding dice and then I rolled it again. And it was like two successes. And then I was like, I was like, I had one dice and I got five successes. That's amazing. 
I, I definitely, in fact, I, I was doing awesome on my rolls. That's probably why I had such good health. I would roll exploding dice and then I'd get double successes. Like I kept doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it, it feels awesome. I really like those exploding awesome. dice. That is a mechanic that uh, maybe it's trademarked by Warhammer or something, but it, I feel like it's a really good mechanic. It, 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 it just makes you feel cool because you get a reroll and it counts as a success. So you can just, it makes anything possible. You're just like, I can like technically it's never, it's, I mean, it, it's pretty much guaranteed you're going to fail, but you could, there's always that chance you roll three dice, two of them are exploding. They explode one more explodes one more time after that. And you have a lot more successes than you could have any other way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think it makes it cool because it, it doesn't quite math out perfectly. So you can never be a hundred percent sure of anything. Cause you are rolling dice, which, you know, some card games where it is pure deterministic and you know what numbers are on the card and you can math out uh, to a certain degree of everything that's going to happen. This, this always gives you that, that, uh, a, not, not even an illusion of, uh, unpredictability, but there's always a chance, which yep. I like. So yeah, it's a cool game. I recommend it. It's definitely, uh, a lot heavier than patchwork. Yes. Oh yeah. It, and it takes a little longer, but I don't think it's that it's heavy. It's not that heavy. Like it's pretty good. Like I said, I would, I'd pull it out and teach people. Yep. I think it'd be fun. And I am not like crazy about the Warhammer universe, but I also like yeah, a I good mean, fantasy thing and it's got nice artwork. It's it's fantasy flight. I don't think I said that. It's fantasy flight. They always so it's make nice high things. Caliber. Yeah, I mean they always make nice components and it definitely has that fantasy flight feel of you know, biz, busy linen, cards and linen, linen finish. And, and... Yeah, linen finish and all that kind of stuff. Um mm-hmm. one last thing. The original Warhammer Quest, I haven't played like super extensively, but I have played it a fair amount. And I actually feel like there's more tactics in this one, maybe. Even though you're not moving around miniatures, you're not, um, you know, there's there's not really, there is somewhat of a, a spatial awareness because you do choose which enemies you want to engage and you choose which enemies you want to um, you know, you can, you can use actions to push them back into the shadows. But in the original Warhammer quest, it was like, mm-hmm. it's dudes on a map. It is a hex or not hexes, but squares. And you're just like, I'm going to move three and then attack. Um, so there is more positional things, but I actually, I kind of always felt, and maybe I don't have the best opinion or maybe I don't have the most knowledgeable opinion, but I always kind of felt the choices, like there was less choices. I was like, this is obviously what I should be doing. Whereas Warhammer Quest takes the similar formula and turns it into a card game, but makes it uh, a lot more interesting to me. Yeah. So if you love original Warhammer Quest, maybe you would be disagreeing and arguing with me because I'm a stupid idiot, but we'll see. Oh, I've never played Warhammer Quest. I'm looking at the B- BGG site. Yeah. Well, there is an app and a. it's the same game, but it's on Steam and it's on iOS and it's pretty faithful i think to the original one so if you wanted to try it actually on steam right now it might be 250 well by the time people hear this it is definitely not that anymore because this is not going up right away so (laughs) so forget that uh everyone but keep checking steam yeah keep checking steam for a sale i think it's a good game you know like i said it's kind of simple but it's good warhammer quest though is a great game you mean warhammer quest adventure card game warhammer quest the adventure card game is Mm -hmm. great i'm gonna keep playing it and I am super excited for expansions. This game is like the perfect game to give expansions to. Yeah, because they're optional. That, that's the other cool thing is like, I think with Pathfinder, you have you kind of almost have to. Whereas this is fun because it's just, 
it's like you get a new character. I mean, the characters don't have huge differences. These characters? Yeah, but the thing is like... They're pretty different. The main things that I thought were important about our characters was which card you refresh. For me, attacking refreshed. And then my stats. I... My sister was a mage and her health was really low. The Blight Blight, Witch? Yeah, Yeah, something something to do with magic. Yeah, so that is one thing. The characters, I think they're really different because Mm -hmm. they all do have technically the same things. But oh yeah, that's true. They, roll they do different, roll different dice, dice, which makes yeah. it slightly different. But they do have different abilities Wait. as well. I have played all of them, like different. Oh yeah, you're right. Cards. Okay. So for instance, the the blight the blight wizard. Although whenever she takes a rest action, she can help somebody just like everyone else can. At the end of that, she can actually right. take a wound yep. to give them like one more access. So she yeah, is constantly she like hurting herself. Every single one of her abilities, you can basically trade things for yeah. good things. You can trade bad things for good things with her. Though the warrior knight guy, I can't remember what he is. He's like yeah, that's what Ian was. holy knight or something. He lets you inspire people and give them these cards that let them... Um, do good things they only last one action but he can do that he's all about helping people um the the archer person is really good at kind of like landing the final blow she's kind of got one like if she lands the final yeah. blow she refills her health and stuff like that yeah they're pretty, so yeah. i really felt like um they did a really good job for having technically what yeah. you know quote unquote is the same action they were they were wildly different and i had played like the warrior knight guy who's all about healing people and then the next turn, I or next game, I played the Blight Wizard, who's just like, just trading wounds for all sorts of cool stuff. But you, and she doesn't even start with that many wounds. So, and also when she gets down to four wounds, she her actions get even better. So it's kind you kind of want to like hover in that area between like you know get up to like eight wounds and then take back down to four, so you can do cool stuff and then get back up to eight and then go back down. So you don't ever even want to heal yourself yeah, entirely. Yeah, and she you did. Felicia definitely did. She's she just like fast and mean. Yeah, like on the brink of destruction every time. So that is Warhammer Quest. Yeah. I I like it a lot. I don't think it's for everybody, but I definitely like it a lot. I think it's for more people than you, than maybe we would think. I think a lot of people okay. like it. So you didn't play this game at the place, right? No, the next no, game. you taught me this game. But you did buy it, and that game yep, is Ian got it for us Motai Nai. Motai Nai. Say it with me. Motai Nai. This, is, this Motai game is Nai. my favorite of the – and that's hard to say because I liked all the games. I feel like we only talk about games I like. <laughs> well, because we – because I – We pick the I, games in advance. <laughs> yeah, we don't play bad games if we can help it. So. Right. Um, I don't play that many games that I don't like, I think. But Motai Nai. This one is, I like above them all. Okay. You like that? Okay. Put, it, put the cards on the table, Francesca. Mm-hmm. Franchise, I recommend this one the most. I recommend this the most. Um, so this one is interesting only because I got it as almost half-heartedly. Almost. Yeah, why did you get it if you didn't like it? Well, I didn't know if I liked it. I'd never played it. I had heard, I had heard good and bad things. I saw somebody play it at game night and I wasn't that interested but it has an interesting theme once again. Mm-hmm. I got um, sucked in by and, that. Okay. And it has interesting artwork. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's different. It's not, I wouldn't say it's amazing or anything, no. but it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's got personality. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I was just, I guess I was thinking about this as a, um, coffee house game as well it's a small game uh one deck of cards 54 cards and so 
we were at, okay, this is why we were at level up games. It was actually Thanksgiving. We were at the Knolls. They lived near level up games. We were about to go home. It was about 10 o'clock. I was surfing the internet on my phone and I saw that level up games was open until I don't know how late they were open, but at 10 o'clock they were giving away some free stuff because it was whatever black Friday. Mm -hmm. I had no intention of going anywhere. Black Friday, we had spent the entire day at the Knolls and we were about to drive home. But it was on the way and I was like, you know what? Level Up is having a crazy sale right now. Let's just drive by and see how many people are there. If it's crazy, I'm not going in. We drove there, which is only a couple minutes away. And there was, I mean, there was probably uh, 15 people there. It was not very crowded. People were just kind of milling around, taking things off the shelf. And and they were having a crazy sale. I think they were having like a buy one, get one free sale or something. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for things to get. And of course... The buy one free one, buy one, get one free applies to pricing as well. So I think I needed a game that was around that price point. And then I was like, eh, I'll get Motainai now. And I got it um, because there was just, I guess, because there was nothing else to get. That's truly why I ended up getting that game. I kind of forgot about that until right now. Um, then, then Lindsay said, all these games we bought tonight are your Christmas presents. And she took them all. Actually, I had to wrap them. She was like, wrap these presents because they're your Christmas present. So I didn't get to play it for months and like a month after that. Um, but then I opened Motainai and I decided I was going to play it. It is a card game mm-hmm. for two. My version is for two to five players. Your version two is for three. two to three players because mm-hmm. there's two versions. They're identical except for one comes with two decks that are identical. Two identical decks. One comes with one deck. So those are the only two differences. So, so I got the bigger one because I thought I br- I run a game night Mm -hmm. i might want to play with five people so i'll get the bigger one Um, that was the only reason i got the bigger one it's a card game where you are running a buddhist temple some sort of temple it's a temple yeah you're running some sort of temple and you are crafting goods to put in your gift shop Mm -hmm. as you as you do at temples i guess if you're a buddhist that's probably (laughs) i don't know so i don't i'm not sure what the yeah, is. I should read the I should read the thing for it because I'm probably butchering it. But well, I have it right here. Let me see if there's a story. You can keep going. Okay. Well, what you're doing though is you are using these cards to do actions, and ultimately you're trying to craft um, goods to put in your gallery or your gift shop. Yep. It um, says you are an acolyte in a Buddhist temple, creating works to display okay. and sell to visitors. So, on right on the nail. Okay, that was pretty close. Okay. Um, this game famously, or maybe, yeah, famously, is made by Carl Chuddick. Do you recognize that name? Mm, I recognize it when I look at the name, but I don't recognize it when you say it out loud. All right. Well, Carl Chuddick is a pretty well-known game designer. He is, his signature, his signature uh, sweet move is that he has cards with multiple uses. Yep. And so I'm almost, a sucker about that also. That Okay, so almost appeal. every card or every game he ha- makes has cards that can be used for this or that or this other thing. Um, so it's never clear-cut what you're supposed to do with the card. It's totally up to you to figure out how you're going to use your cards. Um, other games he've made is Glory to Rome, which is really popular. Innovation is popular. Um, Red 7 is a tiny card game that's really great. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you played Red 7. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is another one in that theme. This one is technically a, glo- a spiritual successor 
to glory to Rome. Which I've not played, but now I kind of want to. Yeah, I've not played it either, but I just know that it is. And that's, that is kind of where it's love it or hate it reputation came from. You know, when I had said like I had heard good things and I had heard bad things. Yeah. And a lot of that's came from comparing it directly to Glory to Rome. So do you find that people who love Glory to Rome did not like this game? Um, not always, but people, it is a, it's kind of a heavier game. It's a longer game. So if they expected a big, heavy, long game, they are not going to, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very deep game, but it's not heavy and long. It takes 15 minutes once you know what you're doing. So I think they were disappointed by that. And I really think, and the, I mean, if you like Roman war theme, then this game that has kind of like these geometric watercolor illustrations and uh buddhist temple making gifts maybe maybe that's kind of disappointing to you as a person maybe (laughs) i don't know i really like that i that's no i i do too i roman stuff does not do much for me yeah Um, i mean it's fine i mean i'm I'm okay with it whatever i think i like this one more well i'd like to play glory to rome too because i haven't played it but in this game we haven't even talked about how to play this game yet yeah in this game you have this little player aid, which is very important because the player had four has four sides. It has a task area, a helper's area, a craft bench, and a sales area. I should have it in front I have of me it because I'm doing me, this so out of my... If you need so it, during the game, you and your opponent sit opposite each other and you are going to use this center area called the floor which is full of discarded cards. And I should say that there's 54 cards in the game. I think each card is unique. But whatever illustration, whatever um, thing you can make is unique. So there's 54 different items that potentially you could make during the game. Um, there's paper items. There are stone items, cloth items, metal items, and I think that's it. pottery oh, items. Oh, pottery. Yeah, it's pottery. Clay items. Um, so there's five different resources um, and kind of types of, so all the pottery things are obviously like clay masks and um, vases and all the paper things are like fans and um, tapestries and things like that or, or wall hanging artwork and things. In Motainai, you, are, you have a hand of cards and you're using your hand of cards to put into your task area. Your task area determines what abilities you're going to be able to do that round. You put a, a card into your task area. You kind of insert it under the player mat. Um, so it's very clear what's happening because it covers up everything of the card except for the part you need to read for that task. Uh, your opponent's doing the same thing. And one of the interesting things about this game is you do your opponent's task and then you do yours. So during the game, part of it is what task you want to do. But part of it is kind of leeching off of your opponent and saying, oh, my opponent did that for me. Now I don't have to, which means I can do this amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Which also allows um, you to screw your opponent over if you decide not it does yeah or do something that's just totally useless to them Mm -hmm. um although nothing's entirely useless but using these abilities you're going to be collecting materials from this central area called the floor you're going to be hiring helpers which essentially lets you uh uh, do actions better so if you do a task that you have helper for you get to do it twice your building works which means you build the card to your left or right, one is called your gift shop, one is called your gallery. The gallery helps your helpers do actions. The gift shop helps you get points at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last thing you can do is sell things to your um, gift shop. Um, there's kind of a, a mechanic that confuses people where, 
And I like to explain it like this. Your sales have to be covered by things in your gift shop. And what that I always say that means is the things you kind of queue up in your sales area do not score any points if there's not something representing them in the gift shop. Because if there's nothing in the gift shop that is stone, nobody knows you have stones for sale and your stones sit in the back room unsold. Mm -hmm. So if you have things in your sale, you need to have them represented on the sales floor or the gift shop is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing is somewhat true of the gallery where helpers get increased by. uh, uh, So if you have a helper who's a potter, if you have clay, a work of clay, he gets a bonus from that. So. You're just taking actions, collecting things, you manipulating your hand and your opponent's tasks to the best of your ability. As soon as one person builds five works on either side of their play mat, and you could have four on one side and four on the one side, the game continues until you build five on one side. The game ends. You score the points. You score all the works you built on either side. You score all the sales that have been covered by showing up in the gift shop. Uh, and if there's any special abilities on cards, you score those. And that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Does that sound clear? That's that's cohesive. Well, that may, that's maybe because you've played it. Yeah. Because teaching this game is kind of a beast. Yeah. <laughs> have you taught Francesca or have you taught Felicia yet? I haven't, and I'm. We'll see what happens. I was thinking about yeah. Tomorrow, maybe. Hopefully. I'm curious about how that goes. I am too. Um, I feel confident. So, I think the thing that I like about it is, I there's a lot of little bits and pieces, but. It's once again, it's it's truncated into the single deck. You can do so many things with each card. Right. It can be a material. It can be a helper. It can be a sale. It can be a um, task. Right. And it can be a work. So there's basically five things you can do with every card, kind of. Right. And it's all marked on the card. So there isn't a billion pieces to intimidate. So right off the bat, you're not intimidated by this, you know, this game because it's just a deck. And then... Anytime it's your turn to take a turn, you can look at either the little shop card that you have or your cards, and there's like a roadmap. Right, your actions are limited to what you have in your hand and what your opponent plays. So I feel, we'll see, I'll let you know how it goes, but I feel pretty good about it. Okay, so this is why I think it's kind of a beast to learn. I read the rule book, Mm -hmm. and I said... And I was spoiled, and you did teach me. I didn't have to read the rule book. Right, yeah. I read the rule book, and I said, I think I get how this works, but I have no idea what to do. Then I sat down and I played a game mm-hmm. where I played both hands. And then I said, I understand how to do things now, but I don't quite understand what I'm doing. <laughs> and then I played one more time and then I said, now I get it. Okay. Well, but that's a maybe lot I should of read work. this rule book because <laughs> the rule book to me seems longer than, it, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. It's not a complex game. No. Once you know it, it is a a really simple game that you can just play in fifteen minutes. It's like minutes. a Celtic knot. It it's everything you do requires on you doing other things. Yeah. You can't make a sale until you've collected the material under your workbench. You can't craft anything until you have one card to craft as well as multiple cards to support it, it. Because in order to build something metal, it costs three metal. You don't have to throw any metal away, but you're using the one metal of the, the item you're building. Plus, you have to have two metal cards either in your hand or your craft bench, depending if you're crafting or smithing. So, you know, somebody's like, I have this metal thing in my hand. How do I get it? How do I make it? Right. And I, I'm like, okay, first you need to play a potter because you need to collect materials. Mm-hmm. Then you need to play 
either a smith well actually you can't do that if you played it so that's that's kind of where it comes from i'm like if you want a smith you need to have the cards in your hand if you need to craft they have to be in your craft bench but you always need the card you're building in your hand so people are like i want to build this thing how do i do it and i was like first you need to collect the materials in some way whether you draw them from the deck or you collect them from the floor then once you do that you're going to need to play a card so if you want to craft something that is a pottery thing you need to play a pottery thing to initiate the clay craft action Mm -hmm. so then they're like well i have this clay thing if i play this card i'm gonna not be able to craft it because i just played it and then i'm like i know right exactly (laughs) that's where you need to rely on your neighbor to play it or you need to manipulate the way you're drawing cards to hopefully get the cards you need to be able to do the actions you want to do right so everything is kind of a a delayed gratification does that make sense yeah and it i feel like it made sense and it's also probably because you taught me and you did a good job but you were also the one two three four five you were like the seventh person i've taught yeah so I've had practice teaching it now. <laughs> but, but the thing about it, I feel like it's, to me, this game is very logical. And the theme, I think, helps because if you're going to build something, and I, it's funny that you say, like, most people are like, I want to build this thing. How do I do that? That's definitely the first thing. Like, like I was like, I want to build this thing. How do I do that? But, you know, it's, it's logical in that, okay, well, you need materials to do that. And you can't, just because you have the materials doesn't mean you can do that. You need, like, an initiating action to kind of finish off the thing and make it happen, kind of. It it makes sense, you know. But like you said, it's delayed gratification. And you kind of have to plot out your, how you're going to do it, you yeah. know. And it's very much like just adapting to what you're drawing. Everything you draw has multiple abilities. So it really is like looking at your hand and saying, I want to do this. It might not be possible to do this, but there's a lot of other options that I can do even with this limited amount of cards. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, it's very much, it, it can be strategic because you are like, maybe you get a card there, and each card is really great because the abilities are really fun. Everything is different. There's 54 different That's cards that each do a unique blowing. thing. It's- and some of them just are like, uh, do little things. It's like, this gives you bonus three points or this gives you... Every time you do this action, you get to take one more card. Right, it's, or something it's like, like straightforward. But then there's some that are kind of twisty. Well, there's one that I love that is the turtle. Yeah. So oh, normally, when the game ends by building five, you count up all the points, and you count up all the points, and you get the points from the sales, and you get the points from the work, then you get the points from any bonus on the cards, and maybe there's other ways to get points, and then whoever has the most points wins. Mm-hmm. But if you get the turtle and you play, and it. you build it, if you build it, if you build, build it as it, a yeah. work. It has the ability that if you build a work of every material, you win mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that is just a game changer where if somebody builds that, you are like, oh, my God, everything I have done is useless. I need to I need to do everything in my power to make sure that that person Can't does win. not build one yeah. of every type. And that's hard to do. Building one of every type is not easy because you'd have to collect the materials in all these different categories and do all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely not a guaranteed win. I don't. Th- I definitely don't think it's a broken card. I've seen it get played in most of the games I've played, and no one's ever actually won with it. I was so close, though. No, yeah, you were so close. I was gonna say somebody did something really dumb, and who was that? And then I was like, oh yeah, that was you. Because- <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Was <laughs> because it you- dumb though? Because I was. Well, you built the turtle, and mm-hmm. then you're like, now I'm gonna I build didn't... the pottery. But then in but order I to build the pottery, you had to play. I did not build the turtle right away, though. 
I waited. Yeah, I know. No, 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 I know you didn't, but you needed to build the pottery. But in order to do it, you needed to spend one of your card and then you didn't have the enough cards to be able to build it. Yeah. However, as I pointed out, once I had won the game, if you would have done it in a slightly different way, slightly order, different, you would, have, Ex- you would have won the game. I would have. And that's the dumb part. So I'm going to give you a half win for that. Okay. I feel pretty, win. I pretty, uh, okay. Even if I didn't win, I still feel pretty good that potentially I, I could have and using the turtle technique, I could have won. I feel pretty yeah, good. And it's it. one of those things that it's not going to win every game, but if you can pull it off, you're uh, going to be cool. I, <laughs> I feel the mistake I made was very stupid also. Which it was stupid, help. yeah. It was because you were so frustrated when I, I told you you couldn't do it. I know. You basically were just like, ah, oh, my turn's over. And then I, and then, and then you I, didn't realize that you had I one more it. action that you could and have simply basically the, yeah. won the game. Yeah. So that, that happens was, you to got me, really I flustered. I feel like that's a lot. I feel like that happens in Netrunner all the time. <laughs> I will be like, I'll be like, oh, I have this perfect plan. This is it. It especially happens when doing meat damage because I'm like, oh, I've got it. And then if... If it's just one thing off, I'm, I just assume that I miscalculated and then yeah. give up before I truly realize that I haven't lost. Yeah, you get flustered sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But in that in Motainai, you got really flustered. You were like, no, when, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> I was so oh. mad. Okay, your well, turn. It, and then I was like, okay, I end the game and I win. Right. And then you were like, Wah. Well, see, that was the thing, too, is like the, the problem with the turtle thing is you invest so much in that that when I went that route and I thought about it, I was like, I don't know if I should do this, but then I just Yeah, said, then you were never going to score the points you needed in sales exactly. and, and like it was because you spent everything on crafting. And I felt like you reveal, and that's why I waited on revealing the trail too, is because like once you do that, then... Then I know I need to stop you. Then you know you need to stop me and you can end the, you could have ended the game whenever you felt like it and you were ahead of me like the entire time. Yeah. So there, that's also an interesting mechanic of the game is the fact that you can, because there's two sides, you can control when you want... Like you can kind of do this weird balancing act of like, okay, well, I'm going to keep making stuff. Yeah, keep... I could have ended the game, but I was like, no, I'm just gonna... I really want to sell these things. Yeah, I'm just going to prolong you... this. So you can be, and because there's a lot of open information, once you build things, once you sell things, everyone can tell how many points you have. Mm-hmm. But then that's why there's one more mechanic I didn't talk about, but you have back orders, which are if you sold the most of any item, any of those items types of items in your hand count as points yeah so there's always a question of well francesca doesn't have very many points but she has more pottery than i do yeah, and i did okay if she has an that. entire hand of pottery she is going to score an extra 15 points and this the game scores in the you know in the 30s to yeah 30s 40s in the 30s range maybe or something yeah we, we were doing 40s. 30s and four, like 40s are probably high and then 20s were low okay so. yeah so 15 points is like a big swing so there's always that question of like, I could end the game now, but am I sure I'm winning enough to be winning once we do the final tally? Um, so just that one little bit of closed information, because otherwise you could tell exactly how many points people had mm-hmm. and you could just say, I have more points than you right now. I'm going to build my final work right here and I win or things like that. But there's always like, ooh, if I get a couple more sales, I can make sure they get covered by these works and then I, I don't know, I'll have more sales on her and the ones in my hand will count. Um, so... Motainai is a deep and I'm not going to say complex, but is a deep game with many options. Mm-hmm. It has a somewhat steep learning curve, but once you get past yeah, it, once you get past it, and, you blow past it, right? And people, I think, I think you you just have to be patient with the. I think the first time, if you can just be patient and work your way through it, and and let yourself just 
it's a little bit kinda. like patchwork where you you're gonna finish your first game maybe and not and you're gonna it. be like i did not get any points yeah but now i understand how to play you know once i've seen the entire cycle of the game i'm gonna be able to play it again second time it's gonna you know the first time it's gonna take you 40 minutes the second time it's gonna take you 30 minutes the third time it's gonna take you 20 minutes and every time after that it's gonna take you 15 minutes because it's a quick game yeah it just like there's so many options um and there's not as many as it looks like but you really have to kind of get your brain into the mode of being like what do i want to do here's what i want to do i'm going to do it go mm-hmm. so i really like it i, I really had like it too. i mean i had enough expectations that i bought it but once i did i was like eh, we're gonna play this nobody's gonna like it and well it isn't trade it flashy either like it doesn't i like the artwork but i feel like i like it more than i played the game it's not something yeah no I, it's you. something that really grows on you it's it's kind of I don't know. It's it's watercolory. It's like vector vector like watercolors. Yeah, it's like somebody made these vector drawings and then put a watercolor texture on them. Uh huh. But they're still cute and they're kind of charming and sometimes they're just like a little bit weird. Yeah. I, you know, they're let's like see, there's one that I'm looking through. Like they're yeah, very angular. The mask one, I'm like, that's not a mask. It's like <laughs> it's like a mask that you use on the airplane because you don't want to breathe in somebody's sick. Oh yeah, it is that kind of mask. <laughs> it's yeah. so weird. It's weird, but I, I like it. And it's, I mean, the cards, I just like the, like you were saying, he, d- he did a great job utilizing a card. Like, flip yeah. it around, and that, here's And that's the like his thing, yep. And I think once you learn the game, it is somewhat zen-like and relaxing. Cause it is, so, yeah, just building I love things. It. It, it does get pretty cutthroat at the end. I will tell you really quickly, we played a game at the gallery. So when I taught the gallery, it plays up to three, mm-hmm. but the game recommends don't play five unless you really know what you're doing. Just don't. Yeah. It doesn't if seem you play like it would be fun. I, th- yeah. I feel like this, I don't know. this is I'd ideal like for two it, player. But... I feel like this truly is. I, you could play it three player, which is nice, but I feel like it's, it just. It is a sol- It is a great two player game yeah. and it's a good three player game, but I think, yeah, I might prefer it two player. It's really good. But when I played, it was me uh james who works at the gallery and then jose who comes to game night often he's a great guy um and we were playing and james as he always does he was like he was doing this like it's funny because james has like these little like goatee and mustache like (laughs) almost like a little villain or something and i was like he's like practically like twiddling his mustache with his delectable plans and he had this card that was going to let him score everything from his craft bench and his craft bench was just packed to the brim but then i had this plan and i was like i'm going to build this and that's going to trigger this which is going to let me build this and then i'm going to build this and then the game's going to end and i'm going to have the most points and then it was jose's turn and james had his piece down so he thought he was going to win because he had this thing that was going to give him massive points mm-hmm. i thought i was going to win because as long as it got to my turn i was going to you got um, a chain reaction do this thing Yeah, and then Jose was just kind of, we all thought Jose was in the dust. We're just like, whatever. Come on, Jose, it's my turn. I want to end this. I had my cards. I did that thing where you like lay your cards down in pairs on the table of how the combo is going to, so I was like, it's going to happen this, and then it's going to happen this. So that way, when it got to my turn, I'd just be like, flip, 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 flip. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, just just had my cards down. I was like tapping on the table. I was like, all right, let's do this. And then Jose's like, I'm going to build this Shuriken, which is like the meanest card in the game. Uh-huh. I was just looking. And at then it. he's like, I get to steal someone's work right out of their gallery or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh Oh, and then I was like, 
both James and I both did that thing where we like <laughs> looked at look each other down at the table or look away so Jose doesn't make eye contact with us so he doesn't steal our artwork, you know. And then um, earlier, James had done something where he stole all of Jose's cards like out of his hand. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Time for payback. I'm gonna take this card." And he took James's card that was basically his entire strategy because it banked him all these points. And it was just enough that oh, and then he's like, "And I'm gonna because I did that, I'm gonna build this thing, and or because I got to steal this, I'm gonna build this work here and." I end the game and then I was like, no, because I was about to finish my game with this massive combo and then nobody got to see my combo. So you had and to then, share it later, of course. So then Jose won by like two points over me and I was just like, oh my God, that was like the ultimate diss where he, st- he stole James's thunder and then, <laughs> and then cut me out of the game right at the end and I was just like, man, that was cold blooded. That's amazing. Did he know so how cold blooded it was? He didn't know it at the time. And then we all revealed what was going on. And he's like, oh, yeah, that was a good move, huh? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) it was a good move. You go rotten hell. (laughs) I mean, that's a turtle. It was awesome. It was really good. It was awesome. And and But it was – so I was saying it was not stressful. And it's very zen-like. And you're just like, I'm going to take these materials and I'm going to do this and – But that's why – It can be cutthroat as well. It can be. but And that's kind of why I think – I like it as a two-player game. I like it. It's good once you get the swing of it and once you kind of understand it, it's a good game to play quickly because I think then you're not as ashamed. Like, I think the first time I saw that turtle card, I was like, well, that's dirty. Like, why would I do that? That seems like a cheat move. But there's actually a number of cards that are kind of in that vein of, like, here's your, like, they're not like, the, the turtle's probably, like, the one that really throws you because you could win basically with no points. But there's a lot of cards that kind of were like, do this to your opponent. Like there was a couple that I really wanted to do too. I, I found them and I, was, I ended up not building them or crafting them. But I was like, yeah. oh, I just want to try that and that's, out. And that's, and that's one thing I always tell people is, I think it's not apparently obvious when you start the game for some reason, but anything you use to do as a task or to as a helper or anything if it ever leaves your hand and you haven't built it you'll never it is never being built in the game it's impossible to ever get anything that's been played back into anyone's hand to build it so i always tell people if you have one that you really like you know you can try and build it but if you ever play it you are never ever ever going to be able to build it which is just nice i mean you don't even have to think about it it's like well i can't do it now this is a great ability but ultimately it's not the best ability or whatever so it makes it so a lot of the cards have really good abilities because just because the game works you can't have them all you can't have them all and you can't and you kind of it's it's unwise to me anyway it feels unwise to hang on to cards for a very long time like right cuz you're just yeah it just it, takes so much time it cl- it clutters things up and you're trying to move forward so there's only you're only going to keep the hand for so long, and you actually go through your hand very quickly. Yeah, I would say it's a strategic game because you are, are like I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to focus on. But ultimately, it's an incredibly tactical game because you're reacting to decisions that are yeah. present right there, and you're like, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I like tactics um, so much more than stretch. Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. do. So anyway, I think it's clear we both really like. Yeah, Wotani. it's on. It's on my top ten now. And it, yeah, I, I like it a lot. And I, Lindsay likes it a lot. Uh, everyone I've taught it to pretty much likes it a lot. There was one group who was kind of confused, so they might not like it so much. But um, <laughs> I think maybe if they played it one more time, they'd like it a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, it, 
I did not a 180 because I had bought it. So obviously I thought I was going to like it somewhat, but it has surprised me at how much I've liked it. Yeah. And then you were just, I think you tweeted like immediately after we yeah. played it. We played it twice in a row. I was and thinking you about it. <laughs> I have like a new favorite game. Yeah. It's, it's in my, it's definitely in my top 10. It's, it's up there in my top 10. I'm, I'm excited to teach my sister. I'm also, like I said, excited. It's a two player game because I think there's a lot of people I could be like, Hey, let's play this game. And it's a good yeah, coffee no, shop game. So. It is a great co- it's a it's I mean it's better than Patrick for a coffee shop game because the footprint is small. Mm-hmm. Patrick is only big because you need to build that ring. You have of, to spread the puzzle pieces out. Yeah, you have out. to spread the puzzle pieces out. But so cool. those are the three games that we wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Good job. We liked them all. Yep. Win win all. As we games. are want to do. Yeah. yeah I think we only play games we love. I'm waiting for the podcast where we just are like, we, this game is garbage. We should just pick a po- we should make a podcast where we talk about games we hate. I have a couple, I guess. I, it's rare that I play a game I hate because I choose what games I play and yeah. I do my research. Yeah. But I think there's I a couple. Think of some. I know it sounded like today I, I hate on Pathfinder. It's an okay game at Pathfinder the Adventure Card game. It's it's decent. Yeah, it's good. No, I don't I don't hate it. I just I feel like of the games, it's not a game I would probably run to play. It was fun. I liked when we played it. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's fussy, but it is it is fussy. That is a good way to put it. Speaking of fussy, Francesca, <laughs> oh, no. you know what holiday is near? What does that have to do with fussy? Because <laughs> because you're because it's Valentine's Day and <laughs> and your significant other is probably fussy. Yeah, that's okay. Too sleepy, getting fussy. <laughs> is this from something i think i'm missing like, no it's not is no. this like a song no babies get babies get fussy when they don't sleep yeah you're, you're like oh he hasn't slept he's fussy and then they're like Meh. i do that was the best segue ever <laughs> speaking of fussy good. what holiday is going on so valentine's day valentine's is coming, day is, up, coming is, up. is the ultimate point of what i was trying to segue yep. into right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. on valentine's day you're probably going to spend it with a loved one mm-hmm. maybe um, and so when you're doing that, you probably don't want to have game night. You might. Where you bring in over all your friends. I mean, some, might. some, some of us might. <laughs> well, but if you're, if you're playing with your sweetheart, you probably don't want to invite all, all everyone over because that's not romantic. So you want to play a two player game. And we've already talked about three games that play between really good to absolutely amazing two player. Yeah. I think all three of these would be great as two-player games yeah and on i think most warhammer cases, quest is great with two mm-hmm. and it's probably maybe even better with four or three yeah. or one it plays well with all but it's definitely a good two-player game mm-hmm. too um but we are going to talk about our top three oh top see you have to take top out games okay well okay, i'll preface that but we're going to talk about our top three games that play two players really well okay Fair enough. I should look at my notes because I wrote it more uh, eloquently than that. Oh, yeah. It's the top three games to play with two players, excluding Netrunner. Yeah. Because clearly Netrunner would win everything because Netrunner is the best two-player game there is. Yeah. Netrunner is my favorite game of all. And you can only play with two players. And you can only play with two players, but it's still my... And it's the ultimate two-player game because it's asymmetrical and it's so good. Oh, man. We We should just have a... We should just have a podcast about that about game Netrunner. we played the other day when I played Apex uh-huh. and you played someone that I just absolutely Jinteki. destroyed. Oh yeah, Jinteki. <laughs> but no, I, so I think I did okay. 
I, I know, but you only did okay because I was playing so fast and loose that I kept doing stupid things. My, but I was like in the middle of destroying you. And un, it was unfinished. Yeah. So Okay. Anyway, these are not Netrunner. We're not talking about Netrunner now. We are talking about... And when I say top three games, I am just saying three really good games. Three really two good two-player games, yeah. Because I did not scrutinize and make this... You know, I did not put that much thought in this. I'm no, going to be honest. It's hard. And it's These hard. are three great games to play with two players. Yes. Three games that aren't Netrunner. That aren't Netrunner. But you should play Netrunner with your your loved one because they'll love you more if you do. All right. <laughs> so I am going to... Let's go three. Did you order them in order of whatever uh, of or did you just put three? Greatness, I just put three, but I can order them if you feel like it. Okay, let's just try and order them. Like I said, this is not a definitive list by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I guess if we, well, whatever. Is magic two-player? I'm not, I didn't pick magic, but we're also going to exclude magic from our two-player top. We don't need to exclude that. Nobody cares about magic. Well, I was just magic. Is two player, but it doesn't have to be. There is multiplayer modes right. of Magic. Well, t- tiny related um, side story. The first time I went to Cafe Mox was on Valentine's Day, and it was jam packed, super super packed because all the couples were there, and I was sat next to a couple that were playing Magic, and I thought that was pretty cute. I I would not want to do cute. it, but that's that's cool that they have a thing, you know. Yeah. So. That is cute. It's cute. Um. So. We're going to keep this short because we've, we're running long yep. again, but mm-hmm. but Shuffle Buddies, let it be known, Shuffle Buddies will never not go long probably, so <laughs> We don't do it very in. often. That's why. Yeah, probably. We also like, just like to talk about this stuff, I guess. So yeah. Well, you have to explain go back the game. To the same topics talk- over and over. Yeah. And then add on the obligatory 20 minutes of Netrunner something. Yeah. We don't even get to talk about Netrunner. I'm, I'm disappointed. Someday maybe we'll do a Netrunner podcast. There's already a really good Netrunner podcast, and that's why I'm afraid. Yeah, to talk there's about plenty Netrunner. of resources for that. There's plenty of resources for everything. Anyway, all right, ready? Yep. So we're just going to go back and forth. Count down three to one. I'm going to say my number three. I'm just going to say these are in on an order. I think they're ordered um, in an order that I like. I guess. <laughs> so number three for me uh-huh. is Tides of Time. Okay, haven't played it. Tides of oh, okay. Tides of Time is published by Portal Games. It is a, I guess you might call it a micro game. Um, it's one of those games that's, I think it's 18 cards or something. It's very, a uh, very small amount of cards. Uh, you, the cards are big. The cards are kind of oversized for no real reason other than to show off the artwork. Um, in Tides of Time, it's a drafting game. You are going to draft uh, five cards with your opponent. Each card has two things on it it has a symbol up in the corner and the symbols are like a magic hand and a crown and a leaf also on each card there is one rule and the rule applies to how you score after you're done drafting so each of us takes five cards i take one card and put it down you take one card and put it down we both reveal it and then we pass the cards and then we've got four cards we take one take one reveal it pass the cards you keep doing this until you've taken all the cards then you just score. And one rule might say, um, if you have the most, most crowns, you get 10 points. And then it says, for every book you have, you get three points. And there's all these different ways to score, as well as a couple um, kind of wild card cards that, that like, 
if you tie, normally nobody wins, but um, one lets you break all ties. So if you take that one, any any competition you tie on, if you guys have equal amount of crowns, if you have the break all ties one, you win. So it's pretty interesting just in terms of it's this little simple drafting game. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Red 7 in where the cards have the rules on them. So not only are you taking cards for the icons they might have, um, but you're also taking cards for the rules that they imply at the end of the game. So that's kind of an interesting balance of strategy right there because you're like, ooh, I really need crowns. But also if I take this break all ties one, um, you know, and if somebody sees me put down the most crowns wins, they're going to deny me crowns. So I need to make sure I take crowns first, but then they might take the crown card because they know I have a bunch of crowns. So it's just this interesting kind of little drafting game Mm -hmm. what makes it a little bit different than other games is after the first round you get to choose one card to put a token on and you get to keep that card for the rest of the game and then another card you throw away into the box and then you draw two new cards and you start drafting with those five so at the end of this round you're gonna have six cards in your little tableau you're gonna score again Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna put another token on another card and then you're gonna throw one away and then you're gonna draw two more cards and then you're gonna draft one more time so at the end of the game you're going to have seven cards drafted which means your scoring opportunities go up a drafting game is tactical right because you're you're reacting to what's happening you're taking cards that you want to deny your opponent you're trying to get cards into your hand that are going to help you and score with your other cards But because you can kind of set yourself up, maybe in the first round, you take that break all ties and then that you keep that one forever. And now you're going to win on all ties for the rest of the game. That's pretty awesome. Or you just take one that has a bunch of crowns on it or something. And now you're ahead on crowns for the rest of the game. So all crown cards are going to be more valuable to you. So you kind of get to have this uh, strategy that builds, you know, it's, it's a 15 minute game, but because it does have that building aspect, it's it's definitely got a little bit more tooth, I guess, than like Sushi Go or a really simple drafting. Yeah, game. that's what it's it's that that's kind of the interesting thing part. It's a drafting game, but it's got a little bit more complexity. It's got a little bit more permanence to what you're doing. I, I have not played this, but I definitely want to. Okay, and- it's great. It's a it's a cheap game. It plays only with two, and it plays obviously really well with two. Out of the drafting games, it's probably among my favorites so i really like tides of time it is a great two-player game great coffee house game whatever wherever you're gonna play if you play at coffee house restaurant on your bed so that's for valentine's small. day oh. huh oh that's romantic. Huh? so romantic <laughs> yeah. so many put all those cards in your bed Lindsay's just lazy so i'm always like hey let's play this game and she's like can we play it in bed and i so and now like, you're what? specifically no. looking for games that, that are no i never want to because we have too many cats and dogs to play play anything because the cats uh, just walk on it. The thought of putting a board game. What, can you imagine? what? So it, take Eldritch Horror. <laughs> put that, put that in your well, I know. Lindsay's always like, let's play Forbidden Island that has 32 tiles you lay out. And then you move your little guys around it. And I was like, that's just going to get so destroyed. So <laughs> you could do Tides of Time, though. Tides of Time would work. You could do Love Letter. That doesn't work very well. Two players, though. No. And Love Letter's not on my list. But Well, I guess if your bed is... <laughs> accommodating more than two players then love letter is perfect <laughs> wait can't you play you can play two-player love letter i think you can uh you can but it's not the best way to play it yeah yeah agreed you can do a lot of things it's not it's not my on my list of romantic games or two-player games so it's not particularly romantic or no two-player-y. just the, yeah, so. just the name is love letter 
All right. So what is your number three? My number three, which I haven't played in a while, but I did like it a lot, is Jaipur. 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 Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. Super awesome. It's a a card, like a trading game. Um, And you are trying to balance, um, you have like a set of cards. You're trying to balance whether or not you want to trade quickly and get more money per individual card or do you want to hang on to your cards and like build up because you are only allowed to sell or trade in like one type of card at a time so if you're selling and like let me think it was like cloth or something you have to sell all of your cloth so you might want you don't have to but you I, there's no reason you wouldn't right well i think you but you can't you can't like you can't sell like cloth and diamonds right. in the same turn. Right. So you're you're spending yeah, you're spending your turns. But you would sell all of them at once. So do you want to hang on to them and make more? Do you want to sell them quicker? But it, and if you sell them quicker, you could get more for it. It's it's just like this balance of like Right. And the reason when you say sell them quicker, you can continue to try and build the biggest set you can because the, the bigger your set, you you get these rewards for selling a set of 3 or 4 or 5 that give you extra points. But there's also only a certain amount of each color coins when you sell them. And if you take the first coin, it's worth like five points. And if you take the second one, it's worth four points. And then the next couple are worth three and then two. So the longer you wait to sell them, if anybody buys them for you, the ones you sell are going to be worth less because they're already in the marketplace and nobody wants them anymore. Yeah, supply and demand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would call Jaipur a <clears throat> set collection hand management trading game. Oh, see, I need to learn these terms. I was looking at Board Game Geek. Oh, okay. <laughs> and those are the three mechan- mechanisms that they put it under. But it is it's it's managing your hand to try and get these sets. You're collecting the sets, but you're also trading because there's a a middle row where you're putting cards in and taking cards out. There's also these camels. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only hold so many cards in your hand, which makes it hard to make big sets. But the camels do not go in your hand. If you take cards from the middle, you have to replace them. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted these three gold out of the middle, I have to replace them from something from my hand. Or I can replace them with camels. Yep. Um, and on your turn, you can either take cards and re- replace them. You can take one card and not replace it. So you can kind of, you can slowly build up a hand if you really want to keep all your cards. Or you can take all the camels. So if somebody puts three camels in the center on your turn, you could just take all the camels. There's going to get new cards dealt out in the center. Um, but on your next turn, you're going to have the ability to take three cards without returning any valuable cards and you could just put the camels back in the place yeah jaipur i actually didn't think of that one but it is one of my favorite two-player games it's really good well i'm Um, surprised i thought for sure that was going to be in yours i really like the artwork for some reason i like the artwork it's just fun and bright and i like the the guy who's on the cover and the inside is the best thing oh it's like a really candy like pink it's like yeah it's it's like purple um, pink magenta embossed jaipur a really nice typography with this embossed jaipur logo on it yeah just nice box design it is um it's a really smart game it's one of those games that i play it and i'm like god this is so clever and so simple i really like it it couldn't take more than i don't know minutes or less like it depends yeah after a while you get really fast 30 minutes but it's not 30 minutes no you could spend 30 minutes but you'd be bored probably yeah, that's too long. I don't know. I think I think at max it would be like a 15-20 minute game and probably more like a 10 minute game once you know what you're doing. Uh yeah, Jaipur is great. I think that's a really good choice. I own it and I just didn't I didn't look at it. Hmm. I'm All surprised. Right. I thought I was going to be on your list for sure, but Well, let's see if this is on your list. Okay. It's not cuz you've never played it. <laughs> My number 2 is None of your... Tar 
What? I've, oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't. Yeah, you've played one of them. Okay. I'll tell you that. Okay. But number two is Targi. Okay, I've heard of this game. Targi. I've heard of this I'm gonna game. I'm going to say it's Targi. I think you told me about it. Probably. Or maybe somebody else told me about it because that name is very familiar. And look it up on Board Game Geek. So I was looking for something for actually for Lindsay and I to play. All the two player games are usually for me and Lindsay because um, she doesn't go to game night because she doesn't like the competition of being around lots of people. And nobody there gets like that into it. Like they're not like crazy about winning. Except for James. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, James. Well, he, the funny thing is, James always like twists his mustache and and rubs his hands together, and then he just loses. So that's funny. Uh, uh, but Targi, T A R G I, is a game also similar to Jaipur. It's about trading. Targi, I got it because I had Jaipur, and I had Tides of Time, and I had Sushi Go, and these are all good two-player games, but they're pretty light, right? Um, they are mm-hmm. usually be able, you're able to finish in 15 minutes. I wanted something with a little bit more tooth, something with a little bit more strategy with a little bit, just so, something a little heavier, but I still want it to be really good with two players. And a lot of Euro games aren't great with two players cause they rely on a little bit more, um, competition for resources and things like that. But Targi is only for two players. But it's really good. So how it works is you lay out these cards around the edge. Each card has an ability. Um, and the abilities are are um, just like taking coins or taking certain resources and things like that. Um, there's a few special abilities, but, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty basic abilities. Um, and then you fill the center in with all these different cards that have much better abilities, okay? So if you picture this kind of a ring of cards and actually they're, I think they're always set up in the same order. So it could have been a board with a hole cut out of it, but they just use kind of these cards that form the edge of the desert. Um, and Targi takes place in some sort of desert. And then there's like water on one side and rocks on the other. If you line the cards up on the outside, but then you fill in all the center ones and they give you resources. They give you special abilities. They have icons. I believe it's like Oasis, Caravan, Village, things like that. And what you're doing, so it it technically is a worker placement Euro, even though it's a card game and it is only for two players. And how it works is you each have these three little colored meeples. They're not even meeples. They're just like markers. And you assign a marker to Mm -hmm. one of the tiles on any outside card, okay? Once you assign it, let's say I assign it to the second card up on the left-hand side. Once I assign it there, no one else can assign one to that card because I've already taken that place with my little worker. I'm going to be able to do that ability. And then directly opposite to it, so the second place up on the right-hand side, also can never be taken. Not never, but during this turn can never be taken, okay? So basically, if you put something on the left, Mm -hmm. it blocks the exact same space on the right. And then... The next okay. one that you place, and then your opponent places one, and then the next one you place has to be in the opposite uh, orientation. So if I place one on the left, the next one has to be placed on the top or bottom. So once okay. you, once I place one on the top or bottom, um, the other one directly opposite that is blocked, and then my opponent places one. And actually, maybe now that I think about it, there's three of them. You place out these markers around the outside edges, and then you draw okay. a line from each marker So the ones on the top and bottom go straight up and down. The ones on the left and right go straight left and right. And wherever they intersect, whatever card that's on top of, you get to claim that card. 
So when you're placing your workers, you're saying, oh, I do want this ability. I do want this. I do want this. But you're also saying, if I place it here and here, I'm going to take this amazing card in the middle because now my, let's say crosshairs, now my crosshairs oh, is aimed at this one. Interesting. So you're getting blocked out because That's obviously cool. when you take the first one on the bottom one, the other person can't take that one. So you kind of can block people out of taking things. But there's, even though you can block people out to some degree, there's still a lot of different ways to get all sorts of you know all over the board you can never take the same one but you can there's always cool options what you're trying to do ultimately is you're trying to sell things to get money you're trying to make sets with the cards you get so you know there's rewards for having um like certain amount of oasises so what else what else is really cool is you get to claim the cards that you've you've lined up in your crosshairs and when you claim them you put them in your tableau and i believe your tableau is three by four and once you've like put a palm tree in your tableau, it's never going to move and you're going to take cards every turn and you're going to have to put them in your tableau. But if you can manage to get four huts all the way across one row, you get like big points for that. Or if you get one of each icon across the mm -hmm. bottom row or across a row, any row, it doesn't matter which row you get uh, big points for that. So you're trying to, you know, let's say you had a row with a, oasis and a caravan and a hut but then you get one with a tree you're like well i have to put this tree down somewhere am i going to limit my ability to finish the huts or the the camels or whatever it looks like there's a lot of camels on there i'm gonna not block that one because i'll go for that one later so i'll put it in front of my huts or something like that um there's also lots of special abilities that say like for each um for each caravan you have blah 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 so there's a lot of special scoring so it's just this it's actually a, it takes probably 45 minutes to an hour so it's actually a it it's a yeah, it it's a, a meaty game but it's got a real small footprint the box is really small it only plays two players uh it's really simple once you get going it's like it's just like place 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 take your cards take your you know you get your i don't even know what the things are there's like what is it like sugar and beans and i don't know what the the pictures yeah the pictures it might be rice, rice and it's like rice and dates and i don't know but the pictures are always like it looks like a little bowl of like baked beans to me the dates do so i'm always like i'm gonna take some beans and yeah. the rice looks like sugar so i'm always mm -hmm. like i'm gonna take some beans and sugar and whatever so um anyway if you're looking for a two-player game that has a light footprint, but it has a little bit more tooth than something like Jaipur or or Tides of Time. Targi is totally awesome. Yeah, I, I like this one even more. I would like to play this one with you. I would like to play this too. The, the hard thing is this doesn't look like a game that would work uh, over Skype. No, it probably doesn't. But I, I wonder if it's on like Board Game Arena or one of the online yeah. websites. I feel, I feel like it, I've seen it on one of them. So it, we should check it, it out. It would. It seems like it would work well. It could easily go on um, Tabletopia. Tabletopia. Yeah. Tabletopia, please listen. Put this game on there. <laughs> I think it's up to the publisher, but um, publisher. Okay, I'm gonna write. I have so many letters to write. And yeah, so that's Targi, the publisher. Cool. If you want them to write to, to yeah, if you want to write to t the publisher, I believe it is Z-Man Games. Oh, Z-Man. Okay. I don't, I don't know if it's in print anymore either, but I found mine. I traded mine on Board Game Geek, um, and I got it for pretty cheap. So cool. that's Targi. I love it. Awesome. My next game is Dice Masters. Oh, Dice Masters. Is that okay? Can I do Dice Masters? Yeah, of course. Okay. I feel like I'm not sure because Dice Masters feels like it's in the realm of not 
not Netrunner, but... Yeah, but the only reason we excluded Netrunner is because obviously that's number one. We're only going to talk about Netrunner, yeah. So, and and I also, when I was choosing this, I was like, is Dice Masters only two-player? Because I thought for some reason that you could play with more, but it, according to Borging Geek, it's only two-player. And I've never um, played it not two-player. I believe they have released official multiplayer rules in one of the pr- further expansions. Okay. So I'm almost positive there's like team play and uh, free-for-all mode, I think. But anyway, it, it's it's a two-player game. It's essentially two-player. It's yeah. a two-player game. So It's um, like magic. It's a two-player game that you can technically play with more people. Right, right. So Dice Masters, um, one of the, I guess the big gimmick with Dice Masters, gimmick in quote, quotes, is that it has licensed properties tied to it, which definitely drew me in. Like, I think the big appeal was, I think the first one was, was it Avengers or it was X-Men? It was X-Men. And I remember when you got the X-Men set and there's, you can buy a starter deck or starter pack essentially because it's a dice Yep. and they'll give you so many dice that, you know, each of them correspond with a set of character cards. So you would have Iron Man and Iron Man has a set of dice and the Iron Man has cards that correspond to those dice. And then you can also buy blind packs, which is super fun, especially if you like Marvel and DC and what else they have? They have D&D. They, they have, have tons. They have Yu-Gi-Oh. They're coming out with Ninja Turtles, Street Fighter. They have like oh, yeah, Ninja pro- any property. They have it almost. They're making tons of properties. And yes, yeah, so they've gone from like a tiny little like box area to there's like a giant kiosk at um, Card, uh, Kingdom. Card Kingdom. Yeah. So um, my sister bought the Marvel set or a couple Marvel starter packs. And I have DC just because I was like, well, that would be funny. We should probably do Marvel versus DC. And Felicia and I played a lot. Felicia actually is really good at it. I am not the best. Um, but the way that it works is you choose your kind of like your starting hand of cards or your, your hand Well, you of build cards. a team. Uh, yes. It's not so even you- a hand of cards because they never go in your hand. Right, right. You lay them out on the table. You lay them out and you choose which cards you want to kind of or characters you want to go with and they each have different abilities and so you kind of want to build this team that works with each other and some of them do actually kind of play off of each other i think like all avengers have abilities like if another avenger is fielded or something right yeah so they'll have names and they reference those other types of characters um and then with each card you are working with as many dice as you have actually and that's kind of a weird mechanic that i don't quite understand but if one person has one superman dice and your opponent has three, they're allowed to use all three dice. It's to but get you to buy more booster it, packs. It is to get you to buy more. But true, but I don't understand like how that, it doesn't really, it doesn't help you really in the game. It's not like having three Superman dice, I think, necessarily make you better. It definitely could. More. It. I mean, depending mm. on the character, it definitely could. I think the game never lasts so long that you get to field so many dice. I don't know. I think if you looked, there's a lot of strategies that are just like, you need to get three Wolverines and get them out immediately. And then after that, they're all going to like do something special and then you'll be right, right. Okay, okay. generating things. So okay, if you only had one, enough. that strategy wouldn't work. Fair enough with the three, but three dice isn't that big of a deal. It's easy to get three. Like there's no reason for you to have. Right. Because be- the dice are all the same. So even on a rare card, uh, if you get like generic cards, the dice still work with the rare card. Yeah. And that's actually the the collectible aspect is just to get more rare cards. It's not really that you're trying to get more and more dice. Yeah. Dice Masters, I would describe it as a deck building game using dice combined with Magic the Gathering. 
Yeah. Because you are starting, you're starting with generic dice and you're rolling them and those, and you generate money that you buy better dice and you put those in your bag. Wait, money? Well, whatever, whatever they call money in that game. You're generating energy that you spend. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So then you're, you know, you start with none of these hero dice in your bag, but you roll some dice, some minion dice, you generate some enemy energy. You buy Wolverine, throw him in your bag. Maybe you'll pull Wolverine. He does better things. You generate more. Then you buy some Nightcrawlers and some Colossuses, and then you throw them in your bag. Eventually, you're drawing all these heroes. You're fielding them. And the fighting is just like Magic the Gathering, where you you put them down to fight. Um, and when you are attacking, the, the opponent gets to choose whether they're going to block you or not, mm-hmm. which is exactly how magic works. And actually, the way the dice work, too, you have to have enough, I guess, mana. In this case, it's dice to be able to activate dice like you can't just put dice down right you have, you have to, to pay when, for to, them yeah in order to field to wolverine field you need to pay like five strength energy or something like that yeah uh i really do like dice masters i ne- i'm jealous because i never get to play it ever yeah it's i mean if it, it's if, honestly i t- showing Felicia, it was then this is why i like the gimmick part is because felicia totally got into it because she's like x-men i, I know love that X-Men. does seem like something felicia would be into just yeah like, she, if you can get somebody and i know ian's into it and he bought it all but like when ian comes over we play other games instead of that one right um so i really would like to play it and i and i do have a lot of them because i'd got the D set um, yeah i want to see more of that. and I the D set is just like i am never going to play anything but D. i have the marvel set I have um, a couple of the Marvel sets. I have like the first Marvel set and the second Marvel set. Yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah, and I've seen the Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm not going to buy that, but... Yeah. uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles uh, might have to buy that. It depends on what type of Ninja Turtle it is. That's true. If it's it's like the 90s version or the movie version, then like no question. If it's the new cartoon, which it almost most definitely will be. You think so? I, I'm yeah. wondering if it's going to be the old cartoon. Nah, they're not going to license the old cartoon. But it's the old like I feel like the old cartoon has the most merchandise. Yeah, but the new I mean, there's a lot of merchandise of the new turtles. But anyway, I don't I don't think it's going to be the old one, and I'll have to see what the artwork and stuff looks like. But uh, I am all in for Street Fighter. I am mm-hmm. all in for the Dungeons and Dragons, and by all accounts, the Dungeons and Dragons are the best sets, like just thematically just and thematically, like most okay. fun. Well, it kind of makes sense. It's it's magic, so yeah, maybe the game is magic, so it's kind of works that way. I I really like, I prefer Marvel to DC, but I wanted to. I kind of like the idea of choosing a theme and then running with it. Yeah, yeah. Because then we don't have any overlap, but um, it's fun. It's it's also fun to collect. It is a lot you know? of fun to collect because those dice are a lot of fun. It's just cool to see all the dice. There's opaque Great ones. Colors. There's beautiful. There's ugly ones. There's beautiful ones. There's, you know, and and it's fun to open the dice and be like, what symbol is this? Who is this? I think yeah, it's we, Professor yep. X. I think it's whatever. And then you find, mm-hmm. you pull the card out and you're like, oh, it's, it's this guy. Oh, cool. You know. So it's fun to like try and predict and see what's in there and stuff. So I really yeah. do like Dice Masters a lot. The one thing that prevents me from playing Dice Masters is the magicness of it. Where I prefer something like Netrunner, where it's very yeah, much, well, a, it's it's less uh, of that, like, are you going to block? No? Yeah. Okay. You know, like, it's more of like, am I going to block or not? Uh, and it's very, yes. it's just like, am I going to block? No, I'm not going to block. And it's very, like, mathy, and it takes a second, and you're like, okay, if I block that guy, but I don't block this guy, this guy's going to do this, and blah, blah, blah. So that part, you know, that's kind of, like, my problem with magic, too. So 
Yeah, um, and I could see that. It's a game when when I, we do play it, we blow through like we'll. T- it's a game we take to a coffee shop or a tea shop, and we play it like ten times. Like it's oh really? Wow. We play we play fast and and quick, and Felicia usually destroys me. But it's like I think it's fun. I like it, but I feel like it could also easily. I'll easily get tired of playing it if I play it too much, you know. But we do like I, I like taking it around and and playing it, and I can see the more you talk about it being like magic, the more I can see it's like magic. I like it more than magic, though. And no, I, think I do it's too. Just because it's dice, it's I love dice. dice. Uh, yeah, no, it it it's a great game. I really like it. I obviously have invested probably more than you into it, so I obviously yeah. do like right. it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's really good, and I would like to play it more. And yeah. I think I've built my team, so I, I think I have a team ready to go. So we should play it. Okay. Well, it, it's probably a game we could play over Skype. Yeah, pretty, for sure. It's easy. Yeah. I'm surprised we. But haven't. we always play Netrunner because we're like. I know. I yeah. know. Well, see, that's the thing. Given the choice, and I think Felicia likes Netrunner, but she likes. I think she likes the world. Dice Masters. Um, Dice Masters better. Yeah, and she's also way better at it than I am, and Ooh. I think she, <laughs> she likes that. I don't know. You should probably play Dice Master against her. But uh, well, I'm not that good. But anyway, okay, let's go into our final one because we've been talking a long time. So, okay, my final game okay. is one you have played. Okay. It is not an exclusively two player game, but I think I prefer it with two players. Okay, I almost know I prefer it with two players. I prefer it with two players, and it is Chaos Ball. Ah, oh, okay. I was gonna guess something else, but okay, what yeah, you, definitely. Okay. What were you gonna guess? I was gonna guess Mage Wars. Oh, that's a good one too. That is, yep, that is a good one too. Uh, I, there's is, so many of the games. I mean, I, okay, Chaos Ball, right. but Chaos, no, Ball Chaos Ball is I like Chaos Ball is one of my straight ballin'. Mm-hmm. Chaos Ball is a fantasy futuristic sports game. I guess you're like weird races, like demons and orcs and vampires, um, vampires yeah. and cyber, like Wing not people. not cyber, but like clockwork guys, um, cat people, yeah. Um, but it is a game designed by Eric Lang, published by Cool Mini or not. And Eric Lang is one of actually Eric Lang also designed Dice Masters. So, oh, so there you go. Um, but it is it's basically a sporty kind of game. Um, you are moving players, and they're bruisers or runners or uh, ringers. One is fast and can carry the ball. One is uh, more defensive and is can smash people. And then the other the ringers can do both. Um, you. It works just like any sport, although it's not really like any sports that actually exist. But at the beginning of the game, you can kind of do this draft where you you get your characters, but then you draft your ringers, which are the good characters. Um, You play in periods. You're trying to score, but scoring kind of works in multiple ways. You can kind of do a touchdown type score where you run um, to this area in the other person's starting area, just like an end zone. Um, Mm -hmm. or you can stand on these scoring mounds in the first round. The scoring mounds are worth one point. If you end the period on the scoring mound, you get the points, but the second, third and fourth period, they increase. So at the, by the end, each scoring mound is worth four. So it really kind of increases the, um, the drama of what scoring is worth during the game at the beginning, you're kind of getting some points, but at the end it's easily able to, to make giant comebacks. Um, you use all these different teams, which have all different abilities and things. They only have one special ability per team, but it's enough to make a pretty interesting difference. Yeah. And it's, it's also the, it's the stats too. It's abilities plus stats. Yeah. Like basically just their attack, uh, attack, tackle and 
ball handling stat and then their life points. Yeah. So it's, and it makes a huge difference. It's amazing because the stats are small, like at least the the attacking. And yeah, they're either bottom. they're either zero, it's one, like or z- two. Yeah, zero, one, or two. But it's amazing how big a difference that makes. It's a huge difference. Um, but uh, so you play the game. You it's kind of a it's almost like a miniatures game. Um, yeah. You move around this little tiny pitch. That's probably I don't. It's not. It's it must be five by five. Yeah. Because you have five guys lined up at the beginning on either side. Um, I think it is. Is it five by five? But you also, you basically um, combat, which is combat itself, um, stealing the ball and tackling. Tackling, you can hurt people, tackle, or steal the ball. And it's up to you to decide what you're going to initiate. All of those things are resolved by playing cards. Um, so it's not rolling dice or anything like that. Only in the case of a tie do you ever roll a dice. And the dice is either a negative one a one or a two, I think, is the only faces on the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just a really strategic, maybe tactical, uh, fun game. I'm not a sports fella, but not, I really yeah. like Chaos Ball. It is, it's so um, unexpectedly crunchy. Yeah. When you see it, you're like, oh, it's going to be like football. You're just going to be running around, blah, blah, blah. But it's no. like this like gridlock of chess because each air, each character has a zone of of their kill zones is what it's called. And if anybody moves in their kill zone, it stops the character in the middle of their action. You get to do an action against them. So it's kind of like positioning guys in strategic places to make it so that the enemy has to pass through your kill zone. So it's it's offensively a game where you're going up and hitting people. But also, if you're going to move into somebody's kill zone... They're going to get an attack on you before you get an attack on them. So it's it's this funny game of the ball is sitting right in the center. And at the beginning, when we first started playing this game, Francesca, we would just bolt to the center, pick up that ball, and we're like, we got the ball. But then we realized that you have to wait until the end of the round to score. So we would now we all line up around the ball so that our kill zones overlap the ball. And we're just like, who's going to pick it up? Yeah. I also remember the first time, first two times we played this game, we played two completely different wrong ways. Yeah, that's not true. completely different. I don't know but, how we did that. I don't remember, but it's not that complicated. Complicated of the game. Once you get up and going, it's it's pretty simple. But it, it there's a lot of crunch in there. It, there's a lot of crunch. There, yeah. it, it is a game when you're done. You're like your vision is fuzzy because you've been like just, just like scrutinizing the board and being like oh if i go there i can do this but he's got two more points than me if i do this blah 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 so i don't have a ton to say about chaos ball without going super in depth on it so i'm just going to say it is a super fun fantasy sports game yeah you level up in intensity here you started out with uh time i forgot the name first tides of time tides of time but this this is on the opposite end this is a game that you want to make sure you're fed and watered before (laughs) you do this one like you eat lunch first because you'll be really mad if you if you. Yeah, are. it doesn't take that long or anything though. I, I feel no, like once people know what they're doing, it's like an hour long game. Yeah, but, it's not a long game, but it's it's like this is the main course of a game day. Yeah, it's it is a good game. I really like Chaos Ball. I do too. I haven't played it in so long. Also, Felicia has it. So oh, you should play it. I know. I'm a teacher. I'm gonna t- that maybe this weekend I'll teach her because I now you I'm, had that. Now I really want to play it. You don't have all the teams. Adam does, but yeah. there are you can collect many, many teams because they made like miniatures for what eleven different teams. More than that, more? there's like twenty. 
there's a bunch. And that's it's cool. Like it's cool to look up the artwork online. And well, you don't the necessarily thing is, need the minis. Really, to... yeah. The thing is, you could play this game with squares and circles. Yeah. The bases of all the teams are squares and circles. Circles are runners. Squares are bruisers. Uh, hex- hexagons are uh, ringers. Mm-hmm. So you could easily play this game with two sets of color squares and circles. Mm-hmm. Um, the miniatures are cool. I don't care that much because I really don't look at them. I really kind of like yeah, you're just playing unfocus my eye and I'm looking at the bases. Um, so... Cool, many or not, did a Kickstarter. They had all these teams as Kickstarter goals. They never released any of these teams after the Kickstarter. So in my book, it is okay to go find the files for the teams and just play the teams because you don't need the miniatures. You can play all the teams. You know, they're just values that don't affect... They're not displayed anywhere but on your little player mat. Right. And it's, like you said, you can't get them anywhere else. Also, the game is kind of pricey. It's a heavier game. So, you know... And it's it's fun because like so the stats. What I would recommend it, is play all the teams without buying any. Choose the yeah. ones you think you'd actually want to play, and then try and find those on eBay or something. Right, right. I had them all for a minute. You did. <laughs> so one sweet, sweet minute. Did you get to play with any of them? The no, I, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay, good. At least that. Yeah. Oh man, I, I all I got to see were, were iPhone pictures, but. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a huge diff. Like the the stats make such a huge difference. Like that's what the game is about. Like picking, you pick your team and then you find how to how to use it because they all play so differently. Yeah, they do. They're really they're very strategically different. One team would never want to try and hurt anyone. They're only about handling the ball. Another team is just like about doing nothing but damage and just trying to right, get in there and kill people damage, and rip yeah. them apart. Yeah, it's a nasty game. It's it's cutthroat. It comes it down to the wire a lot. But, so uh, I remember, chaos ball is amazing. Oh, what I feel like one time we played we played a three three player. I think it was you, me, and Ian. And I remember that first game we played with Ian. I think he was so mad. <laughs> oh really? I, well, yeah. And I feel I, something happened. I don't know. I was actually doing very well. I think I might have almost or won that game because I remember. I think you and Ian were like like going after each other, and I was just like sneaking by and winning. But it was really funny. <laughs> All right, so what's your number one? Okay, uh, my number one, as you may have already guessed, is Summoner Wars, oh. which is the only game that I'm listing that is technically two to four, but I've never played it four, and I don't really have that much interest in playing four. Unless... Yeah, it's a two-player game, and if you want to play it four players, I think you need two boards. Yeah, you do. You do need two boards, which I, I feel like that doesn't count then. That's, that's... Yeah, that's kind of silly. That's like Memoir 44 in their overlord mode where you have to have like eight boards. and then you're Yes, gonna... it is. It's, very it's much like, like that, that might happen sometime, but probably not very often. I, and now I can't remember if I talked about Summoner Wars in a previous. I think we were going to, but then I didn't. We, we talked about the app, I think. Maybe. Okay. Well, because... Summoner Wars is a tactical. It's basically a miniatures game yeah, with cards. Basic, with cards. And I like that. A lot. I like the cards. The board is really nice. It's it is beautiful. It's a beautiful game. And you have that neoprene mat now. We have the neoprene mat. Love that. Uh, I you know what? I was thinking about it and I was like, yeah, I guess I can understand why because it's the main thing is picking up cards. It's way easier on the neoprene mat than it is on the cardboard. (laughs) But I like the cardboard. Okay. But anyway, it's it's beautiful. It has beautiful artwork. It's also a game that there are expansions and additions. Um, you have, yeah, you have the Summoner Wars Alliance set. The Masters right. set has X number of races. I think it's like eight races or something. And then the they ha- they came out with all these one-off expansions that you can go ahead and buy. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then they came out with the second one. And then instead of being like, let's just include all the expansions or whatever, they're just like, let's just do a second master set, but make an entirely new set of races. And so they basically doubled the content of the game just by releasing this second master set, which I haven't gotten yet. But it's it's fun. I mean, it's basically just that now there's more new races. And that's the cool thing about this game is you don't need to buy any expansions but kind of like the Chaos Ball thing, you almost want to just because each um, class, I guess, or rate, race, or each race has strengths and weaknesses and it makes it kind of fun. They're even di- they're more different than the, the Chaos right. Ball ones. So they're, they're vastly different. Right. I have the, I of course always get the mutants and the zombies. And I have this like abomination, cla- this abomination army where you play out these little baby guys and then you mutate them into these big abominations. So I'm just like throwing these guys out there and mutating them and doing all sorts of stuff. And the first time I played you with them, you were like, what are you doing? Yeah, I I know that "Ah." they're hard. It's, it's also hard. Like I, I have the app too and I like to play it and it's hard. It's a hard game. But so basically how you play it is it's, a board kind of like a chess board where there's squares. You each pick a team. That's a deck of cards. And you are drawing cards, summoning cards, which is putting them down, collecting magic to spend to buy more cards. Certain cards can move more spaces. Other cards can like, you can kind of like level up um, your monsters and make them really powerful. I like to play the, I think they're called the benders. Yeah, the benders. Yeah, the psychic teams. The psychic team. They die really easily, but they can move around really quickly and they kind of they do a lot of like moving and switching places with other players, um, including the opposing team. So it's strategy, basically. It's like a strategy type game. Yeah, Summoner Wars is one of the best. I think it's really, it is a really good two player game. I did look at it and then I didn't really think that you were going to pick it, but I looked oh, really? at it and I was like, that's a really good one. I love um, Summoner Wars. Yeah, and Summoner also- Wars is really good. The reason I really like it, I mean, it's a really good tactical game, but I really like you have a deck, it's got all your characters in it. You only draw a certain amount of time, but you also need magic to cast them, which you get by killing other people. But you can also just throw away your cards to mm-hmm. make magic. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you're going to go through your deck faster. You're going to have less options because every card you throw away for magic, you're not going to be able to summon. But it's worth it. And I think it was kind of a a revelation when I was like, I should just be throwing away these cards because I need to get what I want out on the table as fast as possible. Um, it depends on your strategy too. It depends because, on your faction too, but yes, yeah, it, totally. Like you, you definitely want to play. And I, the first time I started playing this game, I didn't understand or take advantage of that. Some, you need to familiarize yourself with the deck and what what those particular what that faction does. Yeah, because some of them don't do well. Like some of them are not strong enough to hold them. Like the benders die very easily, so you want to use them quick and loose. Yeah, I remember the first time I played you with the benders. You were not using them. I put up for, a wall and <laughs> hid behind it. You were not using them to their... Yeah, they're, they're meant to like just fly over the place. And you were like, I'm just going to build a wall and never move away from it. And then I just walked in and destroyed you. Yeah, and got wiped out. But And so that's what's kind of fun about it. And it's not hard to learn. Like it's There's not much to it. It's like just a strategy chess, I don't know, kind of situation. It kind of has like a rule of threes or something. You can like move... Move up to three. You move three squares, yeah. You you get to move three guys. Three can attack. You can like shoot three squares, I think, too. Well, yeah, if, if it's only if it's a range attack. Right, range attack. The other thing is the dice. The way that you attack is with, with dice, and it's three or above. Oh, yeah, three or above is a hit. 
So, which is a deadly game because three and above as a hit is more than fifty percent. Yeah, you have a real. You're probably gonna get hit. You you get hit a lot. The way that the game is set up and laid out is it's very very simple to follow the instructions of like okay now is your move turn okay now it's time for attacking mm-hmm. all right now it's time for collecting it's not mana what do they what do they call in that game I don't know just magic your I magic think. you collect your magic and then you now it's time for summoning so you just follow these steps so it's very very simple and you don't you can take it out and start playing it right away where you have to chew on it is kind of figuring out how to use your faction the best way yeah. You kind of play your faction once and you're like, I did that wrong. This is how I should do it. Right. The first time you play it, you're like, I mean, I still am trying to figure out how to do it. But it's really fun. And that this is a game I play at Mox a lot too because it's it, there's not a lot of cleanup involved and not a lot of setup involved. You can just sit down and play it. So Yeah. It's a really good game. I'm jealous about that one too. I don't play that one as much as I should or I'd like to. Yeah. Summoner Wars, great two-player game. Super great. One of it's It is a modern-day classic, I think. Mm-hmm. plat hat games by the way plat hat games oh yeah plat hat yeah ones. well that is it enjoy or have you enjoyed your valentine's day i'm not sure when this is going up so we'll find out but mm-hmm. uh thanks for sitting around talking games with me francesca mm-hmm, it was fun the shuffle buddies shall return we're making it a semi-regular segment so we'll show up at least once a month or so right yeah i'd like to i think it would be cool for sure yeah so we'll come back shuffle buddies like gray art lab regular podcast will also resume if this wasn't your thing if it's not your thing you're probably not still here but yeah, that'd be funny if you if are you were, though. thank you very much i did not get to mention it x-wing would have been a great choice for two-player games i you know it was on my list i took it off because i wasn't sure if it was two-player also blood bowl team manager that would have been is good. that two-player also uh it's not two-player only but i like it best with two players i think i do like it two-player and i usually play two-player i could just sit here and name two-player games all day so I will mm-hmm. not do that. And but thank if you. you want to know more, email Chris. Yeah, yeah. Email us. Or, Find us on Twitter. Board Game Geek because we are both on Board Game Geek. We What's are. your name on Board Game Geek? Uh, it's just my name, Francesca Butchko. Is, oh, really? Okay, not Frenchie Bistro. Not, not Frenchie Bistro. But if you're looking for me on any other gaming anything, my name is Frenchie Bistro. All right, my including name, including iPhone games. Oh yeah, iPhone mm-hmm. player and Summon Wars. You can you download can Summoner Wars and play Francesca today. Please do. I've been trying to. No, game. don't, because Francesca never picks up her games. I start games with you all the time, I, and then they just time out. I I was wondering what's going I think something's wrong with my Summon Wars, because I keep sending you invites, and it also never picks up, but I'm pretty sure you are picking them up, because I can't imagine that you would not pick up the Summon War game. So maybe I need to reinstall Summon Wars or something. Yep, which concludes this episode of <laughs> Francesca Troubleshoots Her iPhone Summon Wars. <laughs> But I am Teen Wolf Dude on Board Game Geek. You can go check out all my cool stuff there. And you can see the nice collection of games you, you have. You can see the collection. Uh-huh. Speaking of collections, I will just point this out really quick. This is not board game. But I completely organized my Steam library into categories the other day perfectly. There is not a single game that is not organized in multiple categories, too. So if it's a... What are the categories? You make your own. Yeah, but what are your categories? Oh, uh, maybe I'll put a screenshot in the podcast notes or something. There's a bunch of categories because obviously there's there's a bunch of categories of games. So, Uh, yeah, I felt really good. I was like, oh, my God, I have no games that have not been categorized. I've kind of been slowly every time I'm like sitting around waiting for a podcast upload or something, I'll just like organize a couple games and I I finished it the other day. So Hmm. achievement unlocked. I did that with my email and it was, felt pretty good. boring. <laughs> it was pretty boring. I have, it's great though. Nurse's like, I'll never email you because he looked at my phone and I have 
1,971 unread emails. When, when I see, yeah, you and Lindsay, when I see those, I don't even understand. I have zero. I can't, and it's not because I have, I don't have inbox zero because I don't, it's not like I can read every single thing that I get, but if I can't read it, I just put it somewhere. Like I don't Hmm. want, uh, I don't know. I can't deal with it. It's getting untenable, but. I don't know well, what to do about it. You're obviously not going to read a thousand emails. Like, let's just say that right now. Yeah, but, okay, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, thanks for uh, listening. We don't have to talk about this. Hit us up on anything. I'll also play Summoner Awards with you, Teen Wolf Dude. Um, yeah, and tweet. If you want to talk, probably Twitter is a good one. Yeah, Twitter, Teen Wolf Dude. And at Francesca Butchko is mine. Cool. All right. We'll, we'll shuffle you later. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. As always, you can email us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Light Gray Art Lab. Head on over to facebook.com slash lightgrayartlab, and you can like us and stay up to date on all of our events, activities, and more. You can follow us on lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. If you want to see process from the show that we reblog from the artists, you can also follow us on Instagram username like gray art lab if you want to see uh cool snippets and behind the scenes process from the gallery and finally you can subscribe to this show on the itunes music store or stream it directly on stitcher radio until next time we'll talk to you soon